Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Are you tired of endlessly searching for work, applying for jobs, and never hearing back? Job openings vanishing into thin air? What if with just one connection, you could link with dozens of companies that are hiring? What if that connection was a locally owned business ready to help without charging a fee? Express Employment Professionals is your one connection. Go to ExpressPros.com. With endless opportunities, it's time to try something new in your job search. Let Express Employment Professionals help you. Start at ExpressPros.com. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Yokohama tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. That's TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. That's TireRack.com, TireRack.com, TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Locked and loaded, ready to go with you on a Monday night. Yesterday, as Dan Beyer termed it when we did our Fox Sports Sunday show, the best sports day of 2018. Sure, there may be other days to come that'll match it, top it, depending on your estimation. But yesterday, we had so much going on, and it capped off with the giant piles of research being printed out for junior bracketology. Welcome in the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon. I'm Mike Harmon alongside Dan Beyer. Jason Smith off on assignment tonight. Maybe watching the CIT, Dan. I can't believe that tournament is actually underway. There is already a postseason college basketball tournament that is underway. How in the world do you get a bracket set, let alone getting all these teams together? Hartford had to like fly across the country to face San Diego tonight in the CIT. I have no idea how they do it. It's magic. San Diego with a 42-35 halftime <laughs> lead for you degenerate gamblers looking for someone. Maybe you got a bracketology thing going on the CIT. Earlier, Liberty took down North Carolina A&T. As you can tell, a bit facetious, but excitement because on a Monday night, we have NBA action, but we also have the beginning of college bracketology and the college games and that excitement as people start figuring out how they're going to be sick, how they're going to be able to play hooky, claim they have a doctor's appointment. The vasectomy ads are out once again, as they are every year. 
saying, hey, ice up while you watch some college basketball. You know, take advantage of all those different angles. But the usual whining and moaning has begun about seeds and teams left out. And I've I've about had my fill of it. Dude. I'm gonna I'm gonna quick just give a tip. Go to the dentist. Don't you know like that like that's the appointment that's that a good you one. can make. Maybe make a general doctor's appointment. You don't have to go. You don't have to go for the gusto. Just do the dentist appointment if you would like on a Thursday or a Friday to get you out of it. Because then you could just say, you know what, I'm feeling sensitivity. I just don't think I'm going to st- – that would be the – that's the way, as you would say, to ice up. Ice up the jaw. It's not a bad move. Yeah, but, that, I mean, because you could still have some liquid refreshments. Sure. Even if things go south and you have to one's, have some emergency One's more procedure. temporary than the other. Because yeah, if you go to the actual doctor, I mean, if you haven't had – a checkup for a couple of years. You don't know how you're coming out, man. That's true. That's right. True. All of a sudden, hey, you, your blood pressure's high or something's just not checking out right. Suddenly, you're going down, going south. Maybe, maybe just go get a checkup on your foot. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, something that I like that. Yeah, go to the foot. Go to the podiatrist. Nice. There you go. Nice, simple. Maybe he just gives you a nice, nice orthotic and tells you you should stay off your feet today and watch some games. I'll tell you what, I would like to take uh, my feet and kick the uh, selection committee and whatever they did to the selection show. <laughs> There's so much, Mike, that is that has gone on, and, and you're leading into it, of what's happened over the last 24 hours. You're right. I thought yesterday was going to be the greatest sports day of 2018, and I am not afraid to walk that back a little bit, but it's not my fault because it was ruined by those who developed the selection show. And I don't know if I expected it or didn't expect it, but we always get the you know the the griping and how you're looking at breaking things down, mm-hmm. and and we'll get to that in a bit. But you know there, there there was a turn on that. I didn't like how certain conferences laid out the the Pac-12 only gets three schools in, Big Ten only gets four, while you've got nine, eight, and seven from the likes of the ACC, the SEC, or the Big Twelve. Those are the issues that I had, and I think that the way that the bracket is set up, I don't feel bad for the, the teams that are 69th and 70 that are laid out. I just think of the way that the committee looks at these teams and looks at the bracket. There is just something that is off about it. There's got to be a way. If college football can develop a playoff system, and I know it only features four teams, but it can be the greatest thing that's happened to the sport in the past 20 years, then – College basketball should be able to at least figure out some of the problems that we get with the the bracketing. Now, obviously, a lot of people had their opinions of the change of the show from its old format. People don't like change, other than some power failures and and yeah. people that probably have watched little more college basketball than than you have on your couch. And I'm talking to you all across this great land, wherever you may be. We thank you for giving us a few minutes here at Fox Sports Radio. the The fact is that you're producing a TV show. And that's the thing I want to keep reminding everybody as you get into snubs and you get into storylines, that in the end, you're trying to build as many storylines, as many subplots, as many angles, like you're just building a television drama along the way, which is how you excuse and and, and explain Syracuse getting into the field or Oklahoma. Remember, Trey Young was the only guy we talked about for about two and a half months, Dan. The rest of the college basketball season didn't matter. It was Trey Young with graphics galore on every highlight package you could possibly have when he had four 40-point games and a six- or seven-game stretch. Now, they were winning at the time, so that helped push the narrative, and then obviously they had their late-season slide. And I think those are a couple examples of, we're not really sure Mm -hmm. ever, what the committee is going to pinpoint as the most important, right? We knew going into 
Selection Sunday that there wasn't going to be the emphasis on the trending late as to the last 10. We knew there wasn't going to be that emphasis. I didn't think it would be as stark as necessarily it became, right, to where we're going all the way back to wins in October and November. Not quite the marathon oils of the world. Nod to all you in the early 40s, as we've talked about this on air before, you and I, Dan. But, you know, those November wins, those are great. You know, the Hawaii tournaments and everything. But that shouldn't be the be-all to end-all to decide someone's case, how they look back then. Yeah, it's an argument that I that that you make that I look at certain teams, and if you want to take the whole, if you want to take the whole body of work, that's fine. But don't penalize a team for what they did in their conference tournament for just one game. Right. And what I thought that you saw, at least with some schools, and specifically a team like Middle Tennessee, where to be quite honest, for the month of February and, and early March, all I heard was Middle Tennessee is an NCAA tournament team. There is no doubt about it. This is a team that deserves to be in the NCAA tournament. Well, they lose in the conference semifinals of, of the Conference USA tournament. So they get knocked out, and now they're left out of, of the bracket, Mike. And you're wondering why for the last six months was or for the last six weeks was this school being talked about as an NCAA tournament team, a team that's going that – should make the field or is going to make the field, all of a sudden you just have one loss that ends up, okay, well, they didn't make the conference final. Why is that being held against them? Yet a first-round exit by Oklahoma. Remember, Oklahoma didn't even make it into the top eight. They didn't even get the first-round buy or the top right. six of the, of the Big 12 where you would advance and play the next day. They had to play that day, played against an Oklahoma State team, and lost. So, the, so there's, there's criteria. We can even just use Oklahoma State for the example. Head-to-head doesn't matter anymore. Head-to-head matters in college football, somewhat, you would think. But maybe. But head-to-head doesn't matter anymore in college basketball, and it doesn't matter on how you did with this team because, as you said, they're just taking what you have done since mid-November all the way to, I would say, the end of the regular season, and some teams are being held hostage by what they do in the conference tournament while others aren't, and I don't think that's fair. Well, and that's the most difficult part of it is when we're trying to look at what the – playing field is right and everybody talks about creating the level playing field and as we were prepping for the show dan we we started talking about some of these as they're called mid-major or smaller conferences Mm -hmm. where it's win or go home right if you're not cutting down a net in the conference title game you're not getting in And, and it's just that process of elimination you could have the the gaudy records you can have these great point differentials and, and have what in pa- on paper is supposed to be a great resume, but without that title, you're not getting in. And I, I think to some degree you understand it. Again, it's going back to economics and moving the needle. Now, people are going to watch and people are going to bet because they're part of the tournament. But on the larger scale and you pull it out, the more name teams you have there, and, and eventually to the NIT, you gotta you got to funnel a few names so people pay attention and realize it still exists. Sure. Right? So Notre Dame, I know they were upset. They get in. USC, who probably has the best of the arguments when we start talking about RPIs and some of those metrics mm-hmm. that are put out as benchmarks all year. And then, curiously, theirs doesn't matter when we get to deciding those last spots. Like, oh, no, you can go play in the NIT. And now you're a heavyweight there. Well, well, I think the committee looks at Cinderella, as you talk about, as you're going to be a Cinderella as long as it benefits us. 
Cinderella only happens when you have a David versus Goliath matchup, sure. when you have a, a heavy underdog or maybe a big school against a small school. But if those Davids or those Cinderellas aren't allowed to participate like a school, I should correct myself, Middle Tennessee lost to the quarterfinals of the Conference USA tournament. But the point being, Mike, is if they're going to bring in the name recognition, yet you're trying to make your whole month off the back of what you call a Cinderella, there's something that's not fair. There's something that's not even. There is the the conference part of the of this equation where you get nine from the ACC, eight from the SEC, and seven from the Big 12. Whether you like college football or not, you know what? The season is mostly a conference schedule. And as we've seen in the college football playoff, the conference kind of takes care of itself because guess what? There's something in common with about 10 schools, 12 schools, 14 schools that you can judge on who is best. With college basketball now, with these mega conferences, you're getting such weighted, weighted conference schedules where are you penalized if you don't, if you get to face a ranked team only once? Or is does that work for you because you beat them and you don't get to play them again? All conference schedules aren't made up the same. So then when you end up putting up in a bracket, maybe it doesn't work out. There's just there's no way that there's an even playing field to even decide how good these teams are in the tournament. And I look at a school like USC that gets ripped because of their non-conference schedule, but was second in the Pac-12. We say, well, who who did they end up playing? Big deal that they made it to a conference tournament. Well, how the heck did Purdue get a two-seed over Michigan State in the tournament when Purdue made it to the conference final and Michigan State was knocked out, but they played head-to-head and Michigan State won? I mean, Purdue played the top two teams of the Big Ten and didn't beat Ohio State or Michigan State. Yet they get the higher seed. And and I'm not being on Purdue on this. You're using that criteria to put Purdue as a two-seed, yet you're kicking out USC from the tournament. That that doesn't – they don't – they're not the same. And that's the issue is there's nothing to your point when you started it out – it's all a mess. The conferences aren't even. The criteria isn't even. There's no way to really truly judge unless they were to figure out some way to do it. I say if you're not in the top half of your conference, you don't make the tournament. Well, like, but, that, but that's the thing that it. starts Just flowing through, right? And we're both Big Ten guys. My Northwestern team, a disappointment uh, after last year's Cinderella run, right? First mm-hmm. NCAA tournament appearance. But you look at their conference play in football, you can go a year – where the Big Ten schedule lines up and you, you know, but for the, the grace of God, somehow all of a sudden you don't have Ohio State and Michigan on the schedule or Ohio State and Penn State. Suddenly that Big Ten schedule is looking a lot prettier and giving you a better path sure. along the way. And as we go here, it, it's the same kind of situation where we're, we're picking and choosing where, where it's important. And, and I think there, there's the dangerous thing. Forget about the actual school itself that gets – it gets left out because you know most of the most of the columns you read are here's one I printed out the nine most egregious snubs. Well, there can't be nine egregious yeah, snubs. There very, could be yeah. one. Yeah. There could be two. I mean, you want to make an argument that it's Baylor? Fine. You want to make an argument at USC? Fine. You can't you can't argue for all nine of them, right? You got you got to decide which is the worst uh, of those, and let's try to go apples to apples in terms of what we can on the schedule. Problem is the conferences are so different, and I think some of it is perception becomes reality. You go into that room, and what did you hear all year? Big Ten strong, a lot of strength up the top of the conference. Whereas the Pac-12 was mocked, and add to the the potential infractions, the rumor, conjectures, speculations, suspensions. What's going on in Arizona? USC caught up in it. All of these things. Those start to swirl in. Are we talking about? 
Is it a political thing that now comes in of, hey, we got to make an example of somebody along the way? Or do we do you look at the conference and because we decided in early November, or early December, you know what? It's not it's not going to be a strong year for the Pac-12. So when they get to talking points and deciding between them, they're the ones left out. Oklahoma State and Texas ended up playing in the first round game, as I mentioned, in the Big 12 tournament, a game that Oklahoma State ended up winning. And guess what? Oklahoma State won an overtime game earlier in the year against Oklahoma. But guess what? Two head-to-head wins on a school, including one less than a week ago, and they aren't in the tournament. Like, I, it's just it doesn't make sense, Mike. Doesn't like there's actual data to show that one team is better than another, but it's not used. Crazy. Got to get us in that room to keep asking those questions, Dan Byer. He's Dan Byer. I'm Mike Harmon. This is the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon here live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Coming to you live at 15 minutes. Could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com. Get yourself a free rate quote. Well, as always, one coach very vocal about his seating. Yeah, he's in. Still not happy. We get to that next on Fox. Welcome back in. Fox Sports Radio, Mike Harmon alongside Dan Byer. It is the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon here on Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from the Geico Studios. We're enjoying some hot college insider tournament. Hartford at San Diego in front of a crowd that's about as large as the number of people sitting here in this studio. Now, this is a new classic. Yes, classic for 30-plus years. But it's been reworked by Dan Byer in celebration of our... Well, our Fox colleague, Howie Long. If you take the <laughs> lyrics from the great band of Ace here, Ace, and sing it instead of how long has this been going on, and you sing it as Howie Long has this been going on, the song, as great as it is, even goes up a couple of more levels, Mike. It's it's it adds it adds to the flavor. It's even more fun. Nice. Get a couple Trust of lyrics me. in on his twice Super Bowl winning son. Yeah. Just like this. All you got to say. Here we it. go. Yep. How long <laughs> has this been going? We did this yesterday we morning. We did. And, and now 20. Alex's head. Well, Alex has now decided he wants to remix it <laughs> and take it to the clubs with him. Dan, my people will reach out to yours. All right. Great. Again, <laughs> it popped into my head when I heard this on Saturday night. I looked on Twitter to see if anybody else had it. And two random people like tweeted it. I don't know, within the last two years. But I think it's something that we need to get going. I like that. Let's get some momentum rolling. we got a couple more months till the NFL season comes on, and Dan and I will be back on Sunday mornings doing the fantasy show in the interim. You can catch them 6 to 10 Pacific time. What is that? 9 to 1 uh, Eastern time every Sunday morning, early afternoon with Vox Sports Sunday. Get you set for the big day in sports. And we had a good one yesterday. We'll get into Tiger Woods and the momentous showing that he had in the Valspar tournament that has everybody kind of getting a little bit twitchy, a little bit excited as the Masters is hovering out there on the horizon. We'll get into that a little bit later this evening. I'm so excited. Yeah, Tim Tebow's fired up about it. Good to hear from Tim. I'm glad he's listening in tonight. I love it. When Jason isn't here, he uh, disappears on me. Now, as we know, the annual rite of passage that is the college basketball tournament selection show always talking about snubs and in the little five minutes ago dan and i were getting into some of the particulars of where there are pitfalls in the process and well in the rationale 
as they try to break it out and sell you why a team did or did not make the field. Well, no matter where he ends up in the grid, John Calipari is never happy. And once again, yesterday, after drawing a five seed, he made his displeasure known. Is ours like the toughest again? Like by far? Is anyone in here surprised? We're not playing on Thursday, right? Because we just yes. got done playing today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, we're playing on Thursday? Yeah, but we're close. What? Boise. Anchorage or Boise? <laughs> it is what it is. I mean, you know, they're not going to make it easy for us. Did you think Kentucky would be a four seed and deserve the four seed? Well, I thought maybe we'd have a chance, but I keep coming back to it. Do you understand why I don't think conference tournaments are worth anything other than our fans like to travel? It doesn't help your seed. And I'll tell you this, do you think it would hurt if we lost early? It did hurt. The year we went to the NIT, we lost that first round game. We were in the NIT. So, oh, it can hurt you, but we're not going to let it help you. Why are we doing them? I come back to that. It's good for the kids. I was happy to see their faces, how they played. But it was more about them and us being together and figuring stuff out than playing in a tournament. Three games, we're going to end up, if we're lucky enough, and we get to the second round, we, we'd have to be lucky. That's five games in eight days. There it is. The schedule comes up. The travel to Boise, Idaho. They joked uh, in a later interview with ESPN. I had to ask my guys if they knew where Boise was. Ha ha. Doing everything he can. I, I half wanted some violins behind it, but his point is certainly well taken given all of the, the pitfalls as we were talking about in the selection process. Conference tournaments didn't seem like they were going to help. It was just the, how can we put a big red X next to you if you fail? Yeah, the, you know, this is where crying wolf really hurts because as you started off saying, we hear this from John Calipari every year. And what John Calipari is saying is actually pretty accurate. And when it comes to Kentucky, Mike, it's even maybe more accurate than people want to believe. Kentucky is such a brand and Kentucky is such a program that th- there are always eyes on them. But when you look at their draw, and he's talking about going to Boise, playing on a Thursday, all of those legitimate arguments. But we've heard him complain throughout the years and nothing has changed. You've seen Kentucky be put in brackets. The NCAA Tournament Committee can say all they want that they don't think about matchups, but they they do, and they look at second-round matchups truly. That's the weekend where you want to get something. You think it's a coincidence that Butler is a 10 seed with Purdue in that side of the bracket? No, because they can play in the second round right. in Detroit coming up this weekend. That is not a coincidence. Kentucky, if you look at their tournament history, a couple of years ago, Indiana was a second-round matchup. Who the heck wouldn't want to watch Kentucky sure. and Indiana? When you look at some of their runs that they made, I don't know, to the uh, Final Four in 2011, they had to go through West Virginia, Ohio State, and North Carolina. My goodness. Like, to, to look at that run of everything holds, they're put in the stacked brackets. And every year we point to a region that is pretty weak. Kentucky is never in that region. No, and certainly not here where the second second round – you're looking at a K-State, but then you, you advance, or I'm sorry, they, they would have Arizona right off the jump. Yeah, that's right? the point. And, and Arizona's a team that you could argue might have been a better seed than they got, right? Same thing that Kentucky's arguing today. Sean Miller looking at Trier and looking at Aiton and looking at eligibility. I don't think anybody from Arizona is going to be complaining about the seed uh-huh. that they got, given all the givens and, and certainly their fans. But 
the fact that Kentucky may be waiting there in the second round, just it's a matchup that's glorious for television purposes, but in terms of giving teams that you'd want to see further on down the line, like when people, it's the old adage, when people start clamoring for upsets in these tournaments, right? You're going to pay for it later, right? If you get that one shining moment early, right? I probably owe somebody seven bucks for that. But the if you if you get that glorious upset in the first or second round, eventually you're getting a blowout in a in a game that matters, right? In a game where we're really hunkering down to try to crown a champion. Here we're blowing out one of the would be contenders early because it fit the suit. Right? Sure. It fit the Johnny Bravo Brady Bunch suit of getting us a good television matchup where the eyeballs are going to gravitate. If you ask Kentucky. Would you want to trade with Conference Bowl Florida on where they are being a six seed? You face the winner of St. Bonaventure UCLA coming off that Tuesday game and then face Texas Tech in Dallas? I think they probably would. I think you take any of the other six seeds that are there. Would they want to switch? Yeah, yeah. probably. But yet Kentucky as the five seed has moved out west. And that's a whole other thing. The, the, the west <laughs> wow. sites of the first and second round, something needs to happen. The NCAA needs to realize that you've got – There, are, I, I tweeted this out. There are no Pacific – time zone teams playing in San Diego. There is one mountain time zone seed playing in the those first and second round games, and that's New Mexico State. So you've got all of these schools going across country to San Diego, and then you've also have Boise as a site. So Gonzaga's there and Arizona's there, and now you've got Kentucky. Like it just doesn't make any sense. But the fact is Cal is right. Cal is right conference tournaments don't matter. They they don't. They they won the SEC. You get a five seed? You get a five seed and you have to do the travel to Boise. We talk about the the West Coast not having teams represented, which means there's really no home field, oh, yeah. right? So well, now it's whoever can travel, because if you think your team is legit, you're not going first weekend. You're saving that travel money for, for the later rounds. So now you're talking about a potpourri of, of, of fans. It'll still be full, and that'll be great, but it won't have that same atmosphere that it would otherwise. And I would guarantee you ask 10 college basketball coaches, Ten of them would rather have the more favorable matchup than have the more favorable travel schedule. And that's where I think Kentucky is really, really screwed is that they always get put in these games that are the marquee games in the second day that ends up being that's why they're the draw. And they, it may not be fair. They get put in the toughest bracket. That's the toughest part of it all is that they're getting these bad draws just for the sake of because they're Kentucky. And as I learned from from watching Spider-Man, Dan, with great power comes great responsibility. Coming up next, we bring in one of our trusted insiders. He's going to break down the bracket with us. But first, we find out the latest with the award-winning update anchor with the Guns of Steel, our man, Tom Looney. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Thank you, Mike. And, hey, oh, hey, it's, uh, uh, you know, Tiger Woods is good for golf and good for NBC, guys. Uh, when it comes to Tiger Woods and golf ratings, golf ratings at NBC, they're highest in 12 years with Tiger on the prowl Saturday and Sunday. Also, nearly 5.5 million minutes of the Valspar Championship were streamed on Golf Channel and NBC Sports Digital over the weekend. That's up 612% over last year. Wow. Rockets and Spurs went at it tonight in a Western Conference brouhaha in Houston. Harden running in a screen, leans into a three. It's in the air, and it is good. James Harden. 19 Rockets fans, listen to the game on Sports Talk 790 in Houston. Rockets shine the Spurs 109-93. James Harden, the beard, had 28. 
Memphis lost their 18th in a row. I'm so sorry. It's okay, Kobe. They lost to Giannis and the Bucks. Here's a steal by Bledsoe. He knocked it away. Swing ahead to Giannis. Driving hard. Layup. Good and one. Ted Davis with a call on WTMJ Milwaukee. Hurts my jaw just to say that. Bucks poach the Grizzlies. 121-103. Oklahoma City's Russell Westbrook. Another triple-double with cheese tonight. Thunder rattled the Kings. 106-101. And now... More March Madness broken down into excruciating detail with Mike Harmon and Dan Beyer on Fox Sports Radio. Thanks, Looney. I love the term excruciating. Oh, sure. No Makes, problem. Gives it that severity and that yes. grandiose purpose that we know that it I does. was impressed that Dan Beyer had taken a look at his brackets and then realized what teams played, actually resided in what time zone and what time zone they had to play in in their first game. The devil's in the details. That's doing the heavy, <laughs> that's doing the heavy lifting for the American people, uh, I'm telling you, I used to go to these games as a kid. That was our spring break trip when I was like in junior high and high school was going to first and second round oh, games. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's so So they're near and dear to my heart, and I know what Love travel it. means. See, all the greasy spoons traveled with Dan Byer. We're going to do that. That's going to be a travel log, Dan. We're going to find a sponsor, and we're going to hit the open road. Oh, it'd be great. That's first, it. First weekend of the NCAA tournament is is just so magnificent in person. If you're getting a chance to get out and about, if you're going to Vegas, let us know what you're doing. At Dan Byer on Fox, find me over at Swollen Dome. We head out to the hotline, bring in one of our guys. You hear him here regularly on Fox Sports Radio. You can follow him on Twitter, at Aaron underscore Torres. College Hoops Insider wrote the one and fun book on Kentucky. It's our buddy Aaron Torres. Aaron, we had a, a long list of grievances with what the committee came down to. What was your biggest uh, and most uh, offensive uh, error committed by this committee this year? Well, a couple things. First of all, guys, thank you for having me. Hopefully uh, my commentary here isn't excruciating since, uh, <laughs> I know we're getting, since I know we're getting the excruciating details here. Honestly, you know, I'll just keep it in our local hometown here. I mean, the idea that USC can finish second in the Pac-12, you know, go to the conference championship game, play Arizona right down to the wire, and not get in is just patently absurd to me. And if you want to say that the, the, the Pac-12 is down, that's fine. But then you take the ninth-place team in the league in Arizona State. And so – to me, I just think that, look, you know, I, what I was disappointed most about with the committee, for whatever reason, I understand that we don't want to discredit out-of-conference play where Oklahoma was really good, where Arizona State was really good, but we also need to give credit to teams that get better throughout the year, like a USC did, as I said, finish second in the conference, and I just don't understand, you know, to me, USC is much more of a threat, or they would have been in theory, to make a deep tournament run than Arizona State or Oklahoma. Again, to make the point hammer at home, you know, you can give credit to Oklahoma and Arizona State, but I don't think that team that we saw in November and December in either one of those cases is the team that's going to take the floor in this NCAA tournament. We just played John Calipari talking about the issues that he has with conference tournaments and also with the travel, and I think a lot of those, the points that he brings up are legit, Aaron, but what I'm wondering is, does college basketball need a new voice to say this? Because we make fun of Calipari every single year about complaining that something is wrong with the NCAA tournament. Does a new voice need to to, to speak up to get to the, to get the committee to at least look at some of these issues, or is it just something that's never going to change? 
Yeah, well, listen, I've tried to be that voice, but unfortunately, I don't really have that platform because I just, I, I just think there's a lot of things. You know, the the issues that I kind of just mentioned. I think that we have become too driven by statistics and and numbers, and we just don't use common sense anymore. You know, I, I made the argument that maybe we always talk about with the college football playoff, do we have enough quote unquote football people in the room? And I wonder if it's time to do the same in basketball because you look at the people on this committee. We're talking about athletic directors. We're talking about conference commissioners. They don't have time to sit in front of their TVs every single day and watch Syracuse and St. Bonaventure and Notre Dame and Louisville and say, okay, you know, Louisville's playing really well, St. Bonaventure. You know, it's like they don't have time for that. And I, and I also think that adding a basketball person or two would bring it a fresh perspective to this thing. And I think that to use the Calipari example, you know, look at that potential second-round matchup between Arizona and Kentucky. The numbers say that Arizona should be a four seed and Kentucky should be a five. The eyes don't say that at all. And, right. you know, you can argue, yeah, and, like, that's my argument, is that at a certain point somebody's got to bang their fist on the table and say, we're, ma- we're naming Arizona the, the last number four seed? I don't care if the computers say that. Are we really sitting here and saying that Arizona is the 16th best team in the country, that there are 15 better teams than them, that if you put Cincinnati or Wichita State on a neutral court against Arizona, like I'm telling you guys, like if I had to bet my house, uh, you know, if I had to bet Sean Miller's $100,000 on Arizona (laughs) versus Cincinnati, like I'm taking Arizona. And so – I'm with you, Dan. I I don't have all the answers at this exact moment, this particular second, but I think we really got to look hard at, at one, who we're picking and how we're seeding these teams because I just feel like Arizona's an example, Kentucky's an example. There are other examples where the committee just flat out got it wrong. Fox Sports Radio, Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon. Dan Beyer in with me tonight. I'm Mike Harmon. Find us on Twitter. He's at Dan Beyer on Fox. I'm over at Swollen Dome on the hotline with us. Fox Sports College Basketball Insider. You hear him here on Fox Sports Radio. Our buddy Aaron Torres, Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, including the Aaron Torres podcast where he's breaking all this down at the the smallest level to get you ready to dominate your bracket and win the water cooler arguments uh, from pillar to post. So with that $100,000, just just say it's the Miller, <laughs> the Miller uh, alleged hundred grand. But if I gave you that hundred grand. Aaron, and I said, hey, how deep is this field? You know, we're talking about back-end four seeds and five seeds, and from the eye test, you give me DeAndre Ayton against the world, I think I'm feeling pretty good about now, that yeah, how, how deep is it in terms of how many teams can win this once we pull out the pretenders from those upper seeds? Yeah, no, Harmon, I think that's a great point, is that I think that, you know, this is a tournament that – um, Steve DeSager brought up the point the other night when I was in that really, if you look at historically, I believe it's top three seeds that really in like something crazy, like 28 of the past 30 tournaments have won. But I think you got to dig a little deeper this year. I think that Arizona on the four line is a team that can win a national championship. I think in Zaga, I don't know that I'm going to pick them. But I, they're talented enough. You know, it sounds crazy. Gonzaga used to be that plucky little underdog. They get about three or four guys on that roster. They're going to play in the NBA. So, you know, my hunch is that there's probably about, I think, 8, 10, 12 teams that can actually win it all. Now, where it gets more complicated is teams that can make the Final Four. And I think people 
always get that confused. I always hear about how wide open college basketball is. And I think there's a misconception between teams that are good enough to make the Final Four, like, say, South Carolina as a seven seed last year versus the teams that can actually win it. And if you remember last year, and even for people that don't remember the major details, we got to championship night and it was a one seed North Carolina versus a one seed Gonzaga. I don't know that we'll see that this year, but I think everybody on the one line, you know, is capable, probably everybody on the two line too. You get into the threes and maybe even a couple of the fours, as I said, with Gonzaga, Arizona, and maybe one or two other teams. When you look at the regions, we always rank them, and we say that, oh, gosh, look at the South. With You mentioned the Kentucky-Arizona matchup. you got Virginia at the top, and then you look at the Midwest of their, of their top three seeds. When, when you look at a region, Aaron, how do you analyze it? Do you look at first round? Do you look at second round? Do you look at potential? Because a lot of times, maybe these matchups don't come to fruition. How, as a college basketball guy, do you look at the bracket? Do you look at it by region? I'm just curious on how you analyze it. And maybe it's a, maybe it's a little bit more even to your eyes than it, than it could be to ours because there's so many name brands. But how do you look at a bracket when it comes out and, and weighing what is strength and what isn't? Yeah, it's actually really funny you bring that up, Byer, because, you know, to me, everyone's talking about the Midwest, and understandably so. Kansas as the one, Duke as the two, Michigan State as the three. But, again, it goes back to what we just said. Um, you know, would you rather have Kansas's path where they could be playing in Omaha near home? And, oh, by the way, they only got to beat potentially one of two of those uh, Duke or Michigan State teams. They might not have to play either. Sure. That's assuming, of course, that Kansas gets that far. But would you rather have Kansas's path where you get Duke or Michigan State in, in the Elite Eight playing for a Final Four, or would you rather have Virginia's path as the number one overall seed that, as we just said, they might have to play Arizona in the Sweet 16? Um, and, you know, people aren't talking about the South as the deepest region or the best region, and I, I think that's fair, but I think when you're talking about the path to the Final Four, you can make a case that, that Virginia as the number one overall seed has the toughest path of any number one seed. In theory, that's not supposed to be the case. Um, I think that from a depth perspective, I think probably I would take as the quote-unquote deepest, um, the uh, probably the West. I think any of those top four teams are pretty good. North Carolina playing really well, made it all the way to the ACC tournament championship game. Gonzaga we've discussed. Xavier obviously has been really good all season. So I think probably the deepest of with, with teams that are all pretty equal that can beat each other is probably the West. And then I would say that, believe it or not, I think you could make the case that the toughest path is the number one overall seed, Virginia. Fantastic stuff. Aaron Torres, follow him on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres for all the latest leading up to the tournament, all the help you need on his podcast and on his Twitter account to get you ready for your junior bracketology crown. Aaron, thanks for joining us, buddy. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you, fellas. Appreciate it. There you go. Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon. Dan Byers in with me tonight. And we're brought to you by the NHTSA. If you think a train will stop if it sees your car on the tracks, you're right. It will about a mile after it hits you. Stop. Trains can't. You know, you ever get one of those presents that you open it up and you ask, like, Ron Burgundy, uh, thanks? Yeah, a couple of college teams got those presents delivered with their bids this weekend. We tell you who they are next. The Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon on Fox Sports Radio. That escalated quickly. Welcome back in. Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon. 
Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Dan Byer in for Jason Smith. I'm Mike Harmon. He's clapping along to the song. Fired up. Why? Because he's getting ready for March Madness. (laughs) Clapping from pillar to post, and especially when you're on the West Coast. You wake up and roll out of bed, there's basketball. You start falling asleep bleary-eyed from the consumption of excess amounts of cheese and alcohol, it's basketball on (laughs) There is something about that, though. The the East Coast and Central time zones of the days of just laying in bed watching the games come to an end. Those are great memories. You just do it on the West Coast in the morning instead of at night. Bleary-eyed, we move forward into the wonderful world of college basketball. So right now, you got numbers dancing in your head with all of the different matchups that are floating around. In addition to the NCAA tournament, we were watching some CIT. We got it now. San Diego now Blowing out Hartford. Hartford, that cross-country trip, all for not. They got a nice little trip to San Diego, though. Uh, 85-68, the score with two minutes remaining. But the other tournament that is going to get underway is the NIT, also, also known as the We Don't Want to Go. But <laughs> not I Invited tournament was one. Yes. That not Invited, I like that. So those that get, quote, snubbed find their way in the NIT. And while we may have different pejoratives, we may make jokes about teams that are finding their way into that bracket, I don't know that anybody encapsulated the feeling that players and teams have better than LSU head coach uh, <laughs> who who gave us one of the, the greatness. Uh, Will Wade uh, gave us one of the great Quotes of all time related to the NIT. No, we didn't get together. We missed the NIT together. I watched it at home and was watching film, and I mean, we I texted with them, and it's about it. I mean, look, we don't go, we don't want to get real used to getting excited about the NIT now. It's a great tournament, though. We're happy to be in it. <laughs> we are. We're thrilled to be in it this year. I'm not. I'm not messing. I mean, that's that's great. But in the future, like we don't. We're not going to get, you know, thrilled about this. This Will, Will Wade, I think, speaks for everybody, Dan. <laughs> it remi- it, it, it's reminiscent of when maybe you tell your significant other, yeah, I'll know, let's go to the art museum in like three weeks. And then you end up having that morning having to go to the art museum. You're like, what did I agree to? That's like a, Louisville got the invitation. They said, we'll go to the NIT. And then when they actually were offered the invitation after already filing the paperwork, the players were like, we don't really want to go. They just but, want this season yeah. to end. At then this they point. ended up having to go. They changed their mind and said all the right things. But nobody really wants to go. Yeah, the art museum may be great, but it may just be better to sit in front of the TV and watch TV on a Saturday. The Louisville Cardinals will take on the North Kentucky Norse tomorrow at 4 p.m. Fox Fox Sports Radio, the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon, brought to you by the NHTSA. If you think a train will stop if it sees your cars on the track, you're right. It will about a mile after it hits you. Stop. Trains can't. The Louisville situation's funny, right? The players want no part of it. This has been a miserable season. Patino's out. Scandal all over. That's one of the worst things that we've seen. I mean, mm-hmm. I, oh, yeah. in, in terms of – the normal recruiting scandals. Obviously, you've seen worse when you get into Penn State, what's going on at Michigan State with Nasser, et cetera. But for, for them, they just want to clap their hands and move on. Coming up next, we go to the NBA. Tanking. Who does it affect? Dan knows.
Portland has won nine in a row, and at this moment of Portlandia, the Blazers in front of the Heat, 69-57, midway through the third quarter. And Tiger Woods is good for golf and good for NBC. Golf ratings on NBC were the highest in 12 years with Tiger on the prowl Saturday and Sunday. And I'm Looney. Greetings. Welcome back in. Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com. Get yourself a free rate quote. The Jason Smith Show with Mike Arman. Jason out tonight. In with me, Dan Beyer. Dan and I, we do our Fox Sports Sunday show where we traverse the great world of sports, get you set for what are sometimes the greatest days ever. And yesterday, we had an action-packed day ahead of us when we met Dan. We had Tiger Woods in contention, coming oh so close to that first win in five years. But excitement reigns. So in a half hour, we're going to get into the day that was Tiger, the weekend that was Tiger, the industry that is Tiger Woods, but college basketball also ruling today. And I know you've been going to work with your protractor and your compass and all those tools of the devil that we use during our high school days to figure out your bracket. Oh, I love going through and figuring out. And you know what I'll do, Mike? I'll take a step back and I'll just look and I'll be like, okay, does this feel right? Does that feel right? And more times than not, most of it is is pretty good gut instinct or my gut instinct. But then there may be a few other things that I'll alter. Maybe maybe I'll take a team that I like and put them a little bit uh, farther along in the bracket than maybe they should. But usually I just get to a point where then I, I feel, all right, this is it. Because I, I, I do one bracket and that's it. Now, did you put and, in, I know you were working on one of the rooms in your house. Did you put up that whiteboard that you wanted with the bracket already put on there? And just, are you working off I, that? I, I did not. I oh, did okay. not. You know, and I used to make charts and I would do it as a kid. And I'd even do it in some of my adult years where I would take a, just a, a poster board and make a chart it would take me weeks to do so for the ncaa tournament but it would get me excited for it i'd be watching all the conference tournaments and then leading into the ncaa tournament you get really wrapped up into it didn't do that this year hopefully that bodes well for the picks that i make that maybe i'm not focusing as much on that and focusing on what we've got right in front of us the aesthetics of the grid versus the down and dirty details at dan buyer on fox dan will be giving you the musings. I know the 10-second sports report has been put off on the side because, hey, you got too much bracketology yeah, it'll, to work Yeah, it'll on. resume at some point in the near future. You can guarantee that. One of the great uh, stats as you start thinking about the brackets, we're going to get into the NBA here in just a moment. The American Gaming Association believes that some $10 billion, with a capital B, will be bet on the NCAA men's basketball tournament. And that only 3% of that will be wagered legally. This coming from the Las Vegas Review Journal. 3% of $10 billion. Think about that. How much shadow money is trading hands. And then think about the larger world economy for a moment. Tick, tick, tick. Yeah, that's it's it. The, I just blew your mind. <laughs> it's, it's those office pools. That's where it is. That's where it all comes down to. You can, you can have all your buddies who are going to Vegas It ends up being the office pools. That'll get you each and every time. Right now, we are watching the Portland Trail Blazers, one of those teams that are in the middle of, well, great runs, Dan. We've been talking about the NBA and the stretch run. Most teams have played some 65 to 67 games, which means we're inside the final quarter of the season. Portland with a 71-57 lead here, mid-third quarter. 
uh, coming to you from Portland. Uh, they're winners of nine straight. Dan, last 10, nine and one, of course, 40 and 26 on the year. And you look what they've done, 22 and 11 at home. And we've had a run of streaks. Those has been some of the easiest graphics yeah. for sports television to throw up and great talking points. Uh, for the latest updates that we do here at every half hour of nine, winners of nine in a row, losers of 18 in a row if you're Memphis. And for the Portland Trailblazers, another one of those teams on a fantastic run as we get down towards the end of the season. But part of it is trying to figure out what's real and what's a, a mirage in this day and age. We had Adam Silver, what was it, about a week ago, put out the notice about tanking, went after the Bulls who brazenly just put up on Twitter what they were going to do with some of their veteran players. Probably a week before that, we had the $600,000 yeah. fine to Mark Cuban and a lot of questions about which teams were legitimately still playing for anything other than giggles and paychecks. Well, the fact of the matter is, is the NBA wants you to believe that they're doing it for the well-being of you, the fan. Come on, I'm a paying customer, Dan. And that is such a farce. It's garbage. And you know, I brought this point up last week when Adam Silver goes in and says the Bulls need to start playing their veteran players. There should be a newsflash to anybody in the NBA offices that should realize that fans haven't been showing up to NBA games when their team only has 15 wins for the last 40 years. When your team is out of it in March and can't even break the 20-win barrier, they aren't showing up. And, Mike, even if they break the 20-win barrier but not breaking the 30-win barrier, they're still not showing up in March. Why? Because they know their team stinks. So it's not a, anything to do – has anything to do with the fans on tanking. They weren't showing up anyway. Who wants to watch a losing team? It, it's not – Robin Lopez is not bringing in fans – to arenas right marketing isn't there yet he may get there you might start paying attention and whatever they combine him with in this next year's draft he might get excited but jimmy butler's not walking back through the door you look at the home games and, and we we did this a little bit on fox sports sunday yesterday dan uh just from the secondary ticketing market that there's a number of games in chicago once one of the great madhouses in the nba world where Tickets were at a premium every night. This is long after Michael Jordan had gone away. It was still a premium. You can get into virtually every game going forward for under 30 bucks. And the only game that's an outlier is you're looking at Cleveland coming in uh, this Saturday. So St. Patrick's Day with the Bulls against the Cavaliers. And even then, you're still only paying $55 yeah. to get in the door. Listen, 10 years ago, 2000, you know, 2008. You look at the NBA standings and you see, ah, Memphis Grizzlies, 22 wins that season. Do you think Memphis Look fans, how much has changed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Do you think Memphis fans were lining up to watch that Grizzlies team in March and April? No. One abs or two games yeah. when a big superstar showed up yeah. and that's it. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't hurt fans. They, they don't care either way. They're not interested in their losing team anymore. What Adam Silver and the NBA should realize – and maybe they do. Maybe they do, and they just want to tell us that it's the fans. Because it's harder It's harder to go down that other road, right? Tanking hurts your teams that are in playoff contention. And I, I brought up the point last week. It's like when you're in fantasy football, and your buddy trades away half of his team when he's 1-6 on the season. His one win in week two came against you when he had Antonio <laughs> Brown, when he had Kareem Hunt. 
but things just kind of went sour, had some bad matchups, and then ditched his team. Well, you need him to beat your other buddy in the final week of the fantasy football season, but your buddy is rolling out there with the likes of Mike Davis of the Seahawks as his running wow. back. Yeah, and then you have Blaine Gabbard as your starting quarterback. That That's what you have got. That's what is happening with the NBA. The teams that are in playoff contention are the ones being hurt because the teams are so bad. It isn't a coincidence that the New, that the New Orleans Pelicans ran off 10 wins in a row. When you look at the games that they played combined with Portland going tonight for a 10-game win streak, the Rockets have a 17-game win streak. Those streaks are not even, Mike. They are not equal. The 10-game streak that Portland could have tonight is not equal to what the Pelicans had. In fact, Portland, in their win streak, would have beaten the Golden State Warriors twice. Right. And I don't care if Steph Curry wasn't there for one of the games. That's pretty good. The Portland's 10-game winning streak featured wins against Brooklyn, Sacramento, Phoenix, and Dallas. Heavyweights Heavy- of the NBA. You're talking about 40% of a win streak against teams that don't care. And now you're Oklahoma City, or now you're the Minnesota Timberwolves, and you see the Portland Trailblazers in New Orleans Pelicans, and really specifically New Orleans, jumping up in the standings and getting a seed or a four or five seed. Who does that hurt? That hurts Minnesota. That hurts a team like the Oklahoma City Thunder. The L.A. Clippers actually have a nice tanking schedule the rest of the way. You think Utah and Denver are happy that the Clippers get to play Sacramento and Phoenix a couple of more times this season? This is it's all this is all now filtering and dripping to other parts of the NBA that the NBA doesn't want to talk about. But when you talk about competitive balance, it has nothing to do with tanking in the bottom of the draft. What you're doing, you're screwing playoff teams who actually should be getting better seeds because other squads are having to face tanking teams later on in the season. It was fun. Funny watching a little bit earlier in the week, you had some of those games, the the Lakers playing the Magic, and the fact that the Magic showed so much heart, right? The Lakers ostensibly, technically, I guess, aren't playing for anything except to show LeBron James that they've got a decent core, Mm -hmm. right? And they beat up on the Cavaliers last night. But you had a game that goes 108-107, an odd finish to it. That was also the night where we had that Toronto-Detroit game which was fantastic, uh, and at some point we're going to play a game of meet your Toronto Raptors because with <laughs> Kyrie Irving hurt and the Cavaliers not being able to D up you, you me, and Gavin Kinzel, the, the fact of the matter is you, you might have to get to know the Toronto Raptors real fast uh, off this win streak. But 121-119, your final in OT, a great back and forth, odd finish to regulation as well, but they were going to switch away from that game to the Cavaliers start uh, that night against Denver. That's how much they don't care about some of the teams, even from a television program. It's like, here's an opportunity to promote one of your top teams and nah, 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 LeBron's coming up. So push that away. And so when you try to get into the discussion of team schedules and tanking and, and, you know, wins Mm -hmm. against quality teams, losses it's it's a much more difficult thing for the nba to to translate certainly for broadcasters right it's a lot easier to throw up a graphic and here's some more highlights and then you can extol the virtues of whatever superstar player is part of that 10 game winning streak as opposed to really looking at you've got a lot of teams that are just playing out the string we always know that but this is that time of year where it becomes that much more stark and obvious and teams like D- Dallas and Chicago, to some degree, I applaud them for just saying what we already knew, 
instead of trying to insult us along well, the way. Well, yeah, and, and if you're looking at if 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 you're a team that is is trying to rebuild, that's in your own best interest in, in playing the younger guys. But that's why the NBA doesn't want to start. You would think that the NBA would want you to develop new stars, right? Right. You, you would the, think well, that was would, just it. Yeah, get yep. some more minutes for a guy who yep. might be, as opposed to the ten-year veteran who never was and never will be. Yet they're not going to come out and say it. They don't like tanking because now you could end up having a Portland New Orleans playoff matchup in a four or five matchup that Golden State or Houston, whoever's going to be the number one seed, ends up rolling through their eight seeded opponent. And now you have a four or five matchup when maybe they weren't as good as the six or seven seed just because you had tanking teams. It filters down in a lot of ways. And I think that the NBA is fast realizing that maybe tanking is just more than for quote unquote, the fans it never was about the fans. It's hurting teams in the playoffs. Bigger picture looking in from Dan Byer talking about the NBA. We've got 16, 17 games left for most teams. Going to be an interesting run. Kawhi Leonard potentially back for the Spurs as of Thursday night. And what do we have? A muddled middle in the Western Conference behind those two heroes at the top. And the Rockets, quickly, their 17-game win streak, they only played four tanking teams. They actually had two wins over Minnesota, win over Cleveland, win over Boston. Maybe you could say Cleveland is tanking, but... Well, we, well it, it, they, they certainly look like it at times yeah, now, don't maybe they? Maybe not purposely. Well, they certainly aren't playing any defense. Maybe a little more, uh, what do they call it, matador defense along the way. Coming up next here, the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon. Dan Beyer in for Jason Smith. We're going to get back into the fun and exciting world of college basketball. Maybe get you a Final Four pick or two along the way and continue to dissect what the tournament committee aired in their assessment in this bracketology run for 2018. When you're hiring, you don't want to waste time sorting through dozens of irrelevant resumes. You want an efficient way to get to a short list of qualified candidates. That's why you need Indeed.com. Post a job in minutes. Set up screener questions based on your job requirements. Then zero in on qualified candidates using an intuitive online dashboard. Discover why 3 million businesses use Indeed for hiring. Post a job today at Indeed.com slash hire. Search for greatness. Search Indeed. Welcome back in. The Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon, live from the Geico Studios. Mike Harmon alongside Dan Beyer. We're brought to you by the NHTSA. You think a train will stop if it sees your car on the tracks? You're right. It will. About a mile after it hits you. Stop. Trains can't. We step away from the NBA and back inside the wonderful world of bracketology. Joining us now to talk about the field as it's set up, all the controversies and snubs, the word of the week. You will never hear the word snub more than you will over these 72 hours. Is Jeff Eisenberg, Yahoo Sports College basketball columnist on Twitter at Jeff Eisenberg. Jeff, thanks for joining us tonight. No problem. How are you guys? Doing all right. Trying to get through the uh, first iteration of, of the brackets, and I keep going back to the word snub. And when people put up columns saying, here are the nine snubs, it makes me hard. I find it hard to believe that anybody was. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I don't think that there were any egregious ones this year. I I just think it was more that uh, Syracuse being in the field was a a surprise to uh, to everyone. But, um, you know, you, you can make a case for USC. You could probably make a case for Notre Dame. You could probably make a case for Oklahoma State. But at the end of the day, all those teams had chances. And, uh, you know, if they were, if any of them were, uh, you know, title contending type teams or even Final Four contending type teams, they probably wouldn't have been in the position that they were sweating it out on Selection Sunday. 
Trust me, this isn't a Trey Young question, Jeff, but he may be an answer to yours. Is there anybody in this field that could have a Danny Manning sort of effect or a Carmelo Anthony sort of effect where they kind of carry their team? Kemba Walker maybe most recently, if I'm if my memory serves me correct me uh, correctly, of, of a guy really just carrying his team. Are there any guys like that in this tournament that you see could carry their team to a national championship? Well, I see Trey Young carrying himself to a first-round loss to Rhode Island. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, would, he would not be my answer. But uh, I think DeAndre Ayton at Arizona is probably the uh, the best candidate for that. And I know, like historically, it's probably been guards who have been in that position uh, more often than not. But Ayton is just a physical marvel. He's playing some of his best basketball over the last couple of weeks. He had 32 in the Pac-12 title game against USC. 32 the game before that against Arizona. Oh, excuse me, against UCLA. He's starting to rebound a little bit better. So if there's a guy who I think could carry his team, uh, you know, beyond what we might expect them to do, I, I think Aiden is probably the best answer to that. Fox Sports Radio, Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon, Dan Beyer in alongside with me uh, from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios on the hotline with us, Yahoo Sports College basketball columnist at Jeff Eisenberg on Twitter. It says father, husband, craft beer, snob, cook, and then college basketball writer in that order. It's Jeff Eisenberg. Uh, Michigan, long, long ago, won the Big Ten tournament. Does the layoff matter? I, I think it can't help them. Like, I, I'm sure that, that getting some rest after a, a run of four games in four days like that, uh, that part's helpful. But at some point, when you're the hot team and you finish the season as well as they did, I, I would think you would want to get out there and play. Like, I mean, it's exactly what you said. Doesn't it feel like it's been like a month and a half yep. since Michigan won the uh, the Big Ten tournament? I I would think that having that few games over the uh, course of the last two weeks, I, I I would think that's a disadvantage for the Big Ten. Jeff, we are talking to two big. You're talking to two Big Ten guys right here. So, Go Cats! So uh, the the fact is, is there there may be a bias on this end. <laughs> But we go to a college football playoff, and we see, geez, how the heck did two SEC teams get in and, and no Big Ten team? I think that you could have the same argument for what we've got in college basketball. Is it fair that a Pac-12 you know, only gets three schools? Is it fair for a Big Ten to only get four schools when you're seeing nine school bids and eight school bids out of certain conferences? Is that good for college basketball? I mean, I think it's fair this year. Those teams, those leagues didn't do anything at a conference. Like I'm a West Coast guy. I will, uh, uh, you know, say uh, I'll be the first to support the Pac-12 if it's, uh, uh, it deserves it. But this year it, it didn't accomplish much. I mean, the only team that, that really did anything at a conference was Arizona State, and then they uh, nosedived as soon as conference play started. So, I, I mean, I, I thought the Pac-12 probably should have gotten USC into the field, uh, you know, when you finish second in a major conference and then you uh, uh, back that up by going to the conference title game. You probably should be in. But let's be honest, USC beat two NCAA tournament teams the entire season. One of them was New Mexico State and the other one was Cal State Fullerton. So, like, I'm not going to cry for <laughs> USC when, when that was what they achieved over the course of the season. And if you want bids from the uh, – uh, Big Ten, it would have been Nebraska and Penn State. Penn State's entire resume was that they had had Ohio State's number. That was the only NCAA tournament team they beat. And, and Nebraska beat one. They beat Michigan. So, uh, again, like I, I think Nebraska was probably good enough to be in the tournament, but their resume didn't suggest that. And same thing with USC. 
And at the end of the day, the Big 12, the SEC, the Big East, and uh, the ACC performed better all season. So I'm not surprised that they have the uh, preponderance of the bids. Okay, quick extension from that. Let's take Pac-12 and Big 10 out of this. What about mid-major conferences? Do those schools, like a, a, a St. Mary's, and I'm – and I don't want to do specifics, Jeff, just because I think that then we start looking at the specific cases. But is it good for only the West Coast Conference to have one school in when maybe they deserve two? And is it really good for the you know, SEC to have eight schools, the ACC to have nine? Does it matter when it comes to mid-major conferences or smaller conferences compared to these mega, mega leagues? I think it's bad for the NCAA tournament and bad for college basketball that this is stacked so heavily against the mid-major program. Okay. And, uh, like, I, I agree with you that if you start parsing individual resumes, like I, I would like to have seen middle Tennessee in the field. For example, they dominated mm-hmm. conference USA all year. They have pulled up sets each of the past two years in the first round. It's a really good program and they would have added something to the tournament. But when I look at their individual resume, it's hard, hard to make a case for them. And I think that that is sort of a systemic problem with college basketball right now. It's hard for those mid-major schools to schedule in the same way that, that a power conference school does. Uh, and then it just ends up kind of rigged against them, where if they lose in their conference tournament, it's really tough to make it. You have to be almost perfect. Like a few years ago, if you remember, Monmouth beat – I think it was like Georgetown, Notre Dame, UCLA, and USC in non-conference play and won its league and still didn't get in when it lost in the conference tournament. Like, what do you want from these teams? Like, I mean, if you don't get in with that resume, uh, you know, I don't know how you get in as a small conference school. So I, I wish that there was a way that we could get more of these teams into the field because I do think there's a lot more charm in a Middle Tennessee or a St. Mary's or a Monmouth or one of these teams you know, versus eight and 10 big 12 school, uh, you know, whoever it might be. So Jeff, as you started to do your first look and run through of the bracket, where was the, the biggest uh, blinking red light for one of the upper seeds for you in terms of the danger? I, I guess I look at uh, both Auburn and Clemson uh, in the Midwest region. I, I'm just not a huge fan of either of those teams this okay. year. I think that, uh, uh, you know, Auburn had a great season overall, but uh, it, it lost uh, its top shot blocker and one of its uh, best big men in uh, Anthony McLemore, uh, you know, in mid-February. It's lost uh, four of its last six coming into uh, uh, the NCAA tournament. So I don't think they're playing particularly well. Um, and, and Clemson also had a pretty key injury in late January. Its second leading score was lost for the season, and it also didn't finish the season particularly well. So when I look at that section of the bracket and I see a uh, New Mexico State team who's seeded 12th, won 28 games this year, is excellent defensively, really good rebounding, uh, beat Miami earlier in the season, beat Illinois earlier in the season, almost beat USC earlier in the season. To me, that's a uh, a red flashing light that that might be a spot where a, a double-digit seed could win a game or two. Fantastic stuff. Jess, Jeff Eisenberg from Yahoo Sports on with his here on Fox Sports Radio. Follow him on Twitter, at Jeff Eisenberg. Thanks for taking the time, Jeff. We'll talk to you soon. You got it. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Good stuff. Yahoo Sports. uh, Find his latest uh, reaching out on the NCAA, breaking it all down. They've got a good staff of guys going and and turning this thing on its head and examining it from 360 degrees. I mean, it's tough. We got into the mid-major discussion a little bit earlier, Dan, and short of – putting in an edict 
that says there's some record threshold that they get in. I don't know how you solve it because the schedules, there's always going to be able to be the ability to nitpick through saying, well, you only played one or two top 50s on the RPI, and then RPI suddenly and conveniently becomes a deciding factor, right? I mean, it's like, where do you put that threshold? So unless you say, all right, if they've got at least 28 wins, we have to take them or whatever that magic number becomes, we're going to continue to see this year after year. Yeah, the the fact is, and I think Andy Enfield pointed out the, if you're not going to take into what you do in the conference, then what's the point of even, of even, Having, having a conference. Return, right. And I, I do think, Mike, that I don't think it's as cut and dry as people think on what is a good conference and what is a bad conference. And so you take those weeks from November, mid-November into December to maybe judge what your conference is and to not then once you get into conference play, there's no way that you can shed the label of being a bad league because you're not playing anybody else. So you have this six-week window to really try to be like, okay, we're a good league or we're a bad league. Once you get labeled as a bad league like the Big Ten did this year or the Pac-12 did this year, you can't shake that. Now, if you know Penn State ends up being a matchup nightmare for Ohio State and beating them three times and they don't have any other good wins – well, what do you know is a good win in the conference? If we're if we're really like trying to break sure. down, well, that's that's the issue that I have. Why then you could say because team from the SEC beat team from the Big Ten in late November. Now that team is considered a good team and a good win. When even though maybe the Big Ten team had thirteen wins that season, and now it's it's not a good win for whoever played them. There's just there's so much subjectivity that it just drives me bonkers, and that's just the tough part that I have is conference perception throughout the year because there's no way to change it after January 1st. Well, and we have also the injury, right? Bonzi Colson uh, of Notre Dame. Well, they play really well with him, terribly without him, but he's back. So does that matter? No, evidently mm-hmm. not quite enough to get you into the into the dance. So those things as well, who was healthy and what was going on with your team in October, you might be fielding a much different crew and your coaching staff might have done a great job to get them ready yep. and rolling towards conference and into the tournament. But that's neither here nor there. We get back into the biggest story of the week, and it's not bracketology, no, Dan. We're swinging the sticks, hitting them long and straight, coming up next. But first, we step out to the award-winning update anchor, Tom Looney, and we find out the latest in this sporting universe. Okay, longest winning streak in the NBA, Damian Lillard and the Blazers have won nine in a row. Lillard pulls back against Dragic around a Nurkic pick. Double clutches with a three out front. It's in, and he's fouled. Lillard felt the contact, put the ball up to the rim. He scores. He has now hit a three-pointer in 49 consecutive Ryan games. Ryan Wheeler with a call on Rip City Radio. Yeah, that's how yes, I roll. Seven minutes left in Portland with the Blazers in front of the Heat. 93-87. Damian Lillard, oh, nothing. 24 points so far. Rockets and Spurs went at it tonight in a Western Conference brew. Ha-ha in Houston. Uh, some would call it a hullabaloo. Others suggest it's, oh, it was a rhubarb. Harden running in a screen. Leans into a three. It's in the air, and it is good. James Harden 
19 for the beard. James Harden had 28 points. Craig Ackerman with the call. Sports Talk 790. Houston Rockets shine the Spurs. 109-93. Memphis has lost their 18th game in a row. I'm so sorry. It's okay, Kobe. They lost to Giannis in the box. Here's a steal by Bledsoe. He knocked it away. Swing ahead to Giannis. Driving hard. Layup. Good and one. Yeah, a newsflash that Giannis answer to Kumpo is pretty good. Ted Davis with a call. WTMJ Milwaukee Bucks boo-booed the Grizzlies. 121-103. And uh, one other final. Russell Westbrook, another triple-double with cheese. Thunder rattled the Kings, 106-101. And now more March Madness snubs and disses, winners and losers, mid-major moaning and tittle-tattle about teams that'll make noise. With Mike Harmon and Dan Byer on Fox Sports Radio. Thanks, Looney. We need more cowbell. We are coming to you live. (laughs) And more tittle-tattle. Tittle-tattle for everybody. Not quite the slide over baby hour yet, but we're getting there. Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Let's get down to brass tacks. Dan Byer, yesterday you and I on Fox Sports Sunday, there was an extra spring in the step. No, not because we lost an hour of sleep and had to be here really, really, really early. We enjoyed every minute of it. We had soccer from all over the globe on. We are now, we, there's one or two teams I think we're going to have to adopt. We see them. Who loves Stuttgart? Stuttgart has been on three of the last four weeks, so they have become the team of record for Fox Sports Sunday. But we were also anticipating the final round of Tiger Woods at Valspar. And over the course of the weekend, we watched as Tiger Woods dominated social media. We saw the lines and the throng return to the courses, mm-hmm. right? Lines 30, 40 deep, people <laughs> surrounding the tee boxes and, and trying to get their pictures and get their glimpse of glory. And then as soon as the tee shot was off and pacing, it was how do we get there and start sprinting ahead to where he's going to take his next shot because, well, it was Tiger Woods back in Tiger Woods form. The cover of Golf Magazine says he's back. And he's got a big grin on his face, and we're readying for the Masters. And for you being a huge golf fan, for me loving the spectacle and watching the dollars flow in and out of businesses like this and seeing how people get excited for the return of Tiger Woods, this was something that we don't see, right? We The other day, it was the anniversary of Michael Jordan walking away from baseball. And it was made, a little bit was made of it because of the trials and tribulations and the back and forth and all of that of this iconic figure and his trying to figure out his life at that point, perhaps being suspended by the NBA, if you believe some conspiracy theories, uh, told to go away for a while. But either way, it was on the surface a man at a crossroads for Tiger Woods between four back surgeries, the whatever you make of his off-the-course uh his, his own trials and where he is at. They've built him bigger, faster, stronger, at least for the moment. And he played consistent golf for four rounds, something that I don't know anybody was anticipating given the number of false starts over the last five years. You have a lot of things in your mind of memorable moments. You remember where you were when this happened or that happened, Mike. I remember where I was when I realized Tiger Woods wasn't going to win again. And I mean, and I'm telling you this for the simple fact of I felt I was one of the ones who held out. I didn't have expectations that he would win five more majors. I didn't have an expectation that he would win another major. 
But I did think at some point that if Tiger Woods got things back together, that he would be able to put something together on a course at least some week where he was familiar, maybe deal with a back issue. Kind of Freddie Couples has had back issues for for so long, but still is able to figure out a way to compete in the Masters. And a lot of times Freddie Couples was in contention. That's what I thought Tiger Woods' career was going to be. It wasn't until January 2017, I'm covering the Super Bowl for Fox Sports Radio in my hotel in Houston, and I watched Tiger in the Middle East hit a putt that probably needed to be hit 80 feet, and he hit it 40 feet. And I thought to myself, that's it. There are shots that you and I go out to a course that you are going to see, and you're going to see people hit, and they aren't pretty. But there are bad misses that that pros make. Pros even sometimes shank, and it's not just in tin cup. Tin cup, it happens. <laughs> but Mike, to be forty feet short on an eighty-foot putt was when I said to myself, "That's it." So now you fast forward fourteen months later and see what you had. I think so many people were like myself, or maybe like you, that were just ready to, ready to throw in the towel. And to to be proven wrong never felt so good. Throw into the fact that there were still people who were holding on to that hope who were just as excited because they were right that they still believed sure. in Tiger. And now you've got this huge, huge, you know, throng of people. Everybody's pulling for Tiger. And that's what you got. And that's what was so amazing about yesterday. And we talked on yesterday's show. You're going to see things in galleries that you have never seen before. The f- cell phone policy on the PGA Tour wasn't implemented until the last couple of years. So even when Tiger was dominating, say, in 2013, you couldn't have a cell phone on the course. Now you watch him tee off. Everybody has got their phone out and they're taking pictures. There was somebody on the shoulders, a, a, a woman who was on the shoulders of somebody while Tiger was teeing off. That has never happened in the career of uh, Rory McIlroy or Jordan Spieth or Dustin Johnson. Maybe a kid on his dad's shoulder, completely different. These were grown adults wanting to see Tiger Woods. That's what is different about this. And everybody felt it was different. And that is how big it is, Mike. And it's it's different than a team sport as well. Like you you can't compare, you can't compare what with with you can't take golf and compare it to the NFL and compare it to the NBA and Major League Baseball. It's just different. And Tiger just means so much. And now it seems almost everybody is on his side. I know there's still people as you alluded to, that didn't like what, what happened in the past or, or maybe his recent arrest. But the fact is, there is so much support. It made yesterday just so amazing to watch. Tied for second, was one under par in the final round, nine under for the tournament. We'll continue with this. The Tiger Woods effect, ratings, dollars and cents, and what it means for the sport going forward next. The Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon. Dan Byron for Jason Smith. More Tiger talk. Celebrate greatness next. Fox Sports Radio, Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon continues. Dan Byer in for Jason Smith this evening. My co-host, he and I do the Fox Sports Sunday show, 6 to 10 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern time each and every Sunday. You can find the podcast up on iTunes, Fox Sports Weekend. You can also find the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon there as well. Uh, Bring it down, give it a listen, evangelize, spread it around, give it five stars. Uh, we'll love you forever. I may go on a cross-country tour giving people hugs. You never can tell. <laughs> Jason Smith Show with Mike Arman also brought to you by the NHTSA. If you think a train will stop if it sees your car on the tracks, you're right. It will about a mile after it hits you. Stop. Trains can't. Coming up in about 10 minutes, we'll go into the NFL. Another trade 
I love the flurry of activity ahead of the new calendar year for the NFL, Dan Byer. It's been one piece after the next. Some rumors about your Seattle Seahawks perhaps moving another piece out of that vaunted secondary over the next 24 to 48 hours. So the activity tracker keeps us flowing. Yeah, the Earl Thomas watch in Seattle, I believe it was Jason Lockenfora who quoted an NFL executive as saying that Thomas was one of the three pieces that he thought could be moved before free agency begins on Wednesday. And one of those other dominoes fell earlier today. So when they come in threes, at least the first part of that trilogy has come to pass. We'll tell you all about it and what it means for your NFL draft watching and prognostication of what Dan's mock draft 9.0 will look like (laughs) coming up uh, soon enough. But we get back into Tiger Woods and we look at what it means for golf. And I know there's, there's some worry about leaning on Woods and his back, who's had many backyotomies at this point, in terms of the, well, to use the WWE term, getting over with the popular people and for the blogosphere and for everybody to jump up and down and for the news sites to go a bit crazy. And as you and I were talking a little bit earlier, Dan, it's the question of what do we remember golf pre-Tiger Woods? We're all much younger, perhaps not as into the televised golf as we became during the Tiger Woods. So maybe we don't remember what that era was like in terms of how yeah. it was covered, how it was televised, and and how it, people accepted or didn't what they were being shown. When you think of, and I'm just going to rewind back to the mid-90s when Tiger, before Tiger really exploded on the scene, you still had Greg Norman in contention. Mm-hmm trying to win majors, trying to win at Augusta, uh, trying to get a U.S. Open. He was still on top of his game. You had Phil Mickelson in the game at that time, but you also had players like Corey Pavin, Tom Lehman, good players that I I think that the general sports fans remember and know. They know the names for sure. Yes, But you wouldn't be able to as a casual sports fan anyway. Golf fans – and real students of, of golf would remember sure. a particular accomplishment. But those are kind of like me watching the professional bowlers tour with Earl Anthony, Mark Roth, and company <laughs> on ABC's Wide World of Sports. I remember the names and the antics, but I don't remember any of the accomplishments necessarily. No, and you you had players at that time that were, I mean, you know, and I'm even trying to think internationally outside of Greg Norman. Nick Price won some majors during that time. There, there, there were players that that were very good Hall of Fame players that I think sports fans could, you know, would have heard of. Payne Stewart, another one that sure. you would have known. However, what you know, Tiger is just Tiger is just so unique for everything that he meant to not only the way that golf was played, but socially on how it was viewed of of being just not some white guy that you would see on TV swinging his stick. Right, that's, Middle, that's, middle-aged white guy. That yeah, was it. Yep, that's what golf was. So Tiger is different on so many different le- levels. But what you had over these last couple of years without Tiger is you had this young, this influx of younger players. And came and they came in, Mike, and you, Rory McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, all of them are great, but none of them are going to move the needle like Tiger. And what was different is, you know, these guys were younger, but it was the same thing that you had leading into Tiger, really. Sure, there were names that maybe, you know, you wanted to see if Greg Norman was going to maybe win the Masters. Maybe you're going to watch if 
Jordan Spieth is going for the career Grand Slam at the PGA Championship. Rory's trying to to win at the Masters. That is isn't the same, or that that didn't change. That was the same. Tiger is just different with everything, as you see, he lifts everything up, and that's why I just don't think I don't think you could compare him to Jordan. I don't think you could compare him to athletes in team sports because it's not the same. How do you fix baseball? You know, baseball. I mean, when you're looking at individual sports, and maybe tennis is a good example, and and I don't know if boxing is. Maybe we get Tom Looney's opinion later on to to expound on this. But the fact is, is it's just different. You you can't compare it to a team sport just because it's all on the shoulders of one guy. PGA Tours marketed their young stars magnificently. You know who Ricky Fowler is. You know who Jordan sure. Smith is. That's not the problem. The problem is is just not realizing how big of a star and what Tiger meant to the game of golf. That's well, the issue. Just such a unique proposition and how much the longer and straighter he hit the ball. All, all those physical advantages, some of which then contributed yeah. to his back starting yes. to break down along yeah. the way. And a lot of, you know, you, you'd be – you don't want to speculate, but certainly physically, the torque and everything just started to 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 break it down. We just look at the ratings: three point two six for the third round, and then a five point one for the overnight of the final round. Looking for that 80th career win, yeah. just amazing things as to what he meant to the overall game. Higher ratings than any non-masters major since 2014. Every single day, the Valspar was higher than those dating back to four years ago. And let's face it, he, he's a guy, if you were to compare him in terms of uh, a current athlete, you'd look at LeBron James. Everybody wants to see what's going to happen. Love him or hate him. And that's where Tiger Woods is getting back on the course. Love him or hate him. It's interesting, and you want to at least see how this show ends. Coming up next, we get into the NFL trade world. One big one for draft day. Greetings, welcome back in. Final hour of the show, the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon. Tonight from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios, Dan Beyer in for Jason Smith. We've been talking a lot about the NCAA bracketology that each of you are undertaking. Maybe you'll take 10 minutes. Maybe you'll pick by the ferocity of the animal or uh, mascot therein. We do have a team that has the moniker of the Bisons. The Bisons, just think <laughs> about that for a moment. If you don't know, Bison is plural in and of itself. You don't need the S. You can leave it off. And there's me being uh, Joe, would-be dictionary smart guy. So I'm going to put $5 against my student loans for the knowledge of that. Dan Beyer, what say you? <laughs> Everybody's like, shut up, Mike. Okay, so I added the S. Big deal. Lips come. Like, <laughs> shut up. They're not going to win. Nobody needs to know that. I get it. I understand. But and when you go through, and that's one of the fun parts of this, heading into the college basketball tournament, is you're looking for upsets. You're looking for storylines. We'll do the, here are the famous alumni of each program. And, and you go through, and then you have the Bisons. And it just jumps out at you. Don't. And, yeah, it, it's it's one of the the great things about March as well. When when you hear it, it's, I don't know if, if I said this on our Sunday morning show, but you know, Nevada and NC State are both the Wolf Pack, but Nevada is Wolf Space Pack, and NC State is Wolf Pack, all one word. So you even you have variety yeah. there, just like Blue Jays, the Blue Jays, whether the, it's the Toronto Space Blue or Jays, yeah. or if it's just Blue Jays, is one word. There are different ways to do it. It's madness, I tell you. They all end up in a hashtag, all jumbled up nonetheless. But 
we we are over the next 72 hours going to find every which way to break down the brackets. Jason and I uh, a week ago Friday actually went through and took all the teams that were named in the Yahoo report about scandal and we took them out and we looked at what the bracket might be <laughs> if they were gone. And so playing the role of analyst, I started adding about cost of attendance, the uh, acceptance rate, if you were to be applying to college, hey, here's your safety school, kids, 92%, you know, things of that nature. There were actually a couple of schools that were doing 90% acceptance, Dan. Wow. Which means they just want your check. Yeah, that's, yeah, <laughs> a little sure. nervous there. If I'm a mom or Come dad, aboard. just throwing it out there. Uh, yes, you'll get a diploma, but it, they probably have already printed it before. as soon as your check cleared. Uh, just be uh, mindful of such a thing. Now, in the midst of all of the NCAA tournament chatter, uh, and we'll be – here with you certainly Thursday and Friday night, Jason and I taking you through all the chaos and all those upsets and allowing you an opportunity on Twitter uh, to let us know all about the greatness of your bracket and how it's been uninterrupted uh, in the interim. You can also get us now at Dan Beyer on Fox for Dan. Find me over at Swollen Dome. We have the beginning of the NFL new calendars on March 14th, and in the interim, we've had a lot of movement, a lot of expected trades. Now, obviously, they can't be consummated until the new calendar year, but we've got word of so many deals and signings that you know, it's almost like another Christmas morning, just days after the unveiling of the bracket. The Buffalo Bills have now agreed to trade left tackle Cordy Glenn to the Bengals, according to NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport and Peter Schrager as well that the Bills and Cincinnati swap first-round picks, so the Bills move all the way up to number 12. Hold that thought for a moment. Bengals move back to number 21. They also swap the fifth and sixth-round picks as well. And the Bills moving into the first round that have already dealt Tyrod Taylor off to Cleveland. We knew that from last week as part of the greatest day in recent Cleveland sports history, having nothing to do with LeBron James. Right, Just for a day. For once. Dorsey made them relevant, and we were talking about positivity. And for those that dismissed it and said, hey, this day means nothing because it doesn't move the needle, I'm like, they're going well, from zero wins. Well, the, the LeBron <laughs> said, you know, hold on a second. We're going to lose to the Clippers to make sure that I'm not <laughs> out of the headlines. So that did happen later on that night. That's true. He did end up winning the back page as the LeBron to L.A. because you could then put up the L.A. Braun. Yes. Um, billboards that yep. Jacob and Ronnie, an attorney here in Los Angeles, had put up. You could bring that story back in. It's like, oh, look at what he did in front of his would-be new home crowd. But, yes, LeBron James certainly had his say on that day. But for the Browns, some positive press. And, and for Buffalo, well, the, this one is an interesting one, which I believe, and I, I believe you do too, Dan, has great meaning as we look down the, the barrel at the draft some six to seven weeks from now. Well, we have seen in the past couple of years of teams at least trying to get capital to trade up to spots, and the Philadelphia Eagles the most notably when they moved up to try to get Carson Wentz. And now you're looking at teams around the NFL that are looking for quarterbacks, and the Buffalo Bills put themselves into that conversation. Really, with the Tyrod Taylor trade for the immediate future, you knew that they were looking for a quarterback anyway, Mike, that Tyrod Taylor wasn't going to be in Buffalo for the long term. But now when you don't have anybody else there, they put themselves into the conversation. And now with this trade to move up to 12, you couldn't be you couldn't do a trade with a team 
that is in the top five, and specifically at two or three, because that's who we're looking at here, I, I believe, at least with the Giants or Colts, maybe teams that don't want a quarterback, you couldn't trade down if you only had 21. So now the Bills have taken the first step and at least have moved up to 12th overall, and they trade Cordy Glenn as a piece that was likely going to be on his way out anyway. I mean, heck, he was being talked about leading up to the NFL trade deadline during the 2017 season. So now at least the Bills have put themselves in the position. And what's great about this, and especially if you're a, you're a Bills fan or just, heck, even a football fan that, that likes transactions, is now you're just waiting, okay, when's the next one? Because something could be on the horizon. That's what you're waiting for, that anticipation. And that's what this has done because – from, from the things that I have heard about this draft and how teams look at it, it's really a top 10 heavy draft. Right. That maybe after 10, there aren't as many difference makers as you would think or the same guy you could get at 10, you could get later on maybe in the second round. So now if Buffalo is going to ma- trade up and do this deal, sitting at 12 doesn't necessarily benefit them. It's moving to two or three. That could really be the shocker. And that'll be the curious thing as we go. Buffalo, as we know – uh, shuffling a, a bit. You, you've got the ownership question. You had the front office shakeup. You've moved a number of the top parts. We joked a lot about the wide receiving core heading west between Sammy Watkins and Robert Woods. Marquise Goodwin now re-ups with the 49ers. Watkins, uh, according to reports out of Chicago, he's the number one target for the Bears. I say this as a Bears fan. Why? <laughs> let him let him go to Baltimore. That's where he belongs, so he can draw pass interference penalties for Joe Flacco. I'm sorry, did I just say that? Yeah, I think I did. Uh, but we look at the Bills now with picks 12, 22, 53, 56, and 65. A lot of collateral by which to make another move. Yeah, As you say, if the Colts believe that Andrew Luck is ready, then you can deal out and maybe acquire several of those picks because you got a lot of need. An awful lot of need. The Giants, perhaps not as much if they can get everybody back and healthy. The Odell Beckham Jr. situation and what all that entails, that videotape and what it means for the league, that remains to be seen. But you get Shepard back. You've already got Ingram. Brandon Marshall's gone. uh, But you, you look at you still need a running back, but you still need offensive line. There's still some needs. But defensively, if you're healthy, you think in theory you can at least be competitive again. For the Colts, Ballard's working with a blank slate in terms of the type of talent he needs to replace there. I don't know what the value you could get, but just with the numbers that you laid out, two ones or two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and a third-round pick for Buffalo. If you are going to trade up and if you're, let's just say you're the Colts, let's just hypothetically this isn't the scenario, you're, you're obviously going to want 12, and you're going to want number 22 as well. That isn't. I think there would be more that would have to come into the trade, especially if you're trading out of that sure. that top 10. Well, guess what? Buffalo's got the two second-round picks. They've got a third. And, heck, Buffalo may be even willing, if they can get the guy that they want this year, would be maybe willing to, to, to move a, a first-round pick next year or a second-round pick because they've got so much collateral. So they have got so much flexibility that they're now able to do a trade. And just because you trade out of three and would drop the 12 in this case – the collateral that you can pick up, you can use that to then maybe move a little bit ahead if you need to. Again, we've seen that in, in drafts. And that's what – so if you are a Colts team that need a lot of pieces, this is your opportunity to get that. And now that you know that there's a willing team out there that has got their eye on the prize of a quarterback, I mean, you, 
why not take advantage? I enjoy the the fact that you're you're talking about L.A. being a beneficiary of all these moves that Cincinnati and Buffalo had made, right? Because Cincinnati had gotten rid of Andrew Whitworth. He becomes the linchpin to an offensive yep. line that allows Sean McVay's offense to run. So now they bring in Cordy Glenn to backfill a position yep. that left them wanting and really put that season in, in turmoil. They had a terrible offensive line ahead of Andy Dalton, and you saw the rest spiral, spiral out of control. The question that Buffalo now has to say to themselves is, what quarterback do they like the most? And when the Eagles moved up to do the trade, remember they did it after the Titans and Rams did their pick. Now, I know that the the, the Rams jumped up from 15-1 to 1 in that deal, right. and it was a huge leap. I just don't think that is going to happen again. Could be wrong. I've been wrong about a lot of stuff. I don't think you're going to see a team wanting to to fall that far back, especially in this draft. But what at least the Eagles knew when they moved up to number two in that draft was that the Rams were going to take Jared Goff. That's why they moved up to take Carson Palmer. If the Bills have their eye on a guy. What went? Yeah, I'm sorry. Carson Wentz. If the Bills have their eye on a guy, there's no guarantee that he's going to be just because the Browns aren't going to, at least I don't think, would move from number one. So you, you you would like that assurance, but at least you knew when the Rams moved up to get Goff, you were like, okay, guess what? You know, we got our guy. We want Carson Wentz. We know that Goff is going one. We are assured of getting our guy at two. We'll do it. I don't know if Buffalo has that luxury if they wanted to trade up to two or three. The fact is, is that they may have to go in a little blind on who they would want to, at least who they would want to get as their quarterback that point see the nfl silly season just getting underway the new calendar year on the 14th lots of free agent scuttlebutt and certainly some deals that we'll watch get to finalization and hopefully over the next 48 hours we'll see some of these others come to fruition we talked about earl thomas potentially being on the move from seattle as well as they totally remake and reconstitute that defense jason smith show with mike Harmon. Dan Byer in for Jason Smith, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com, get yourself a free rate quote. Coming up next, we continue with NFL talk. We'll talk about those Seattle Seahawks, the loss of Richard Sherman and his signing with the San Francisco 49ers, which had a lot of gums flapping, and naturally, as he would like to, you saw Richard Sherman clap back. We also have some late breaking news from one of the NFL's insiders about the whereabouts of a free agent quarterback. That's coming up next, the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon here on Fox Sports Radio. Dance party popping bottles on a Monday night. Welcome back in. Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon here from the Geico Studios. Mike Harmon alongside Dan Beyer in for Jason Smith. This evening, talking a lot of NCAA basketball. But in the National Football League, well, it never sleeps either. Coming out of Adam Schefter, at Adam Schefter, we verified the blue check mark. We triple-checked it. I had you look at it. I had executive producer Gavin Kinzel look at it, and it said blue check mark confirmed. Vikings quarterback Case Keenum intends to sign with the Denver Broncos. Sources tell ESPN and Adam Schefter. Case Keenum, one of the heroes of the 2017 season, the next man up mentality, 22 touchdowns against seven interceptions with a 67 point or 67.6% completion rate in leading the Vikings 
well, it's almost to the promised land, to that NFC title game, and now potentially going to Denver. There's a domino effect that we'll get to in a moment. But we'll look at Case Keenum, the idea of him being a difference maker, the idea of him just being a lunchbox-toting mail carrier. It's, where, where's the truth? Somewhere between a guy who got away from Jeff Fisher and found his career with a couple of good weapons along between Thielen and Diggs and Kyle Rudolph. Remember, he didn't have Dalvin Cook for much of the season. And now he goes to Denver where they've already got the wide receivers. Now it's a question of do they solidify the backfield and can they find someone to stand up and play offensive line that's, to keep Case Keenum upright? Yeah, that's that's going to be the biggest question. And and, and I know we're going to dive into to what it means free agency-wise. But just what does this mean with Denver? We just got done talking about the Buffalo Bills and their possible interest in trading up from now number 12 to get somewhere in the top five. I still don't believe this takes Denver out of the equation of taking a quarterback sure. at five. So this becomes the bridge guy, just like Cleveland with Tyrod Taylor. I, I I think so. And I also then have a feeling, Mike, that while John Elway can say all that he wants, that they know that Paxton Lynch isn't going to be their guy. Now, that's not a newsflash. That's not breaking news. But here's a guy that they took in the first round that still has two years left on his contract. Right that I don't think that Denver has really any plans for in the future to do anything with. I look at Case Keenum as a as a nice fit um, for or a nice quarterback. I don't know how much he fits with Denver, considering the fact that you mentioned that here's a guy that we don't know if the five guys in front of him will be able to block, and we don't know what kind of running game Denver is going to have. I'm curious to see on the contract numbers of what he is going to get as well because that could also tell us what they may do with that fifth overall pick. Because what's interesting is the domino effect as we talk about the quarterback position. I know earlier today you were doing your uh, updates and, and latest reports, and one of the reports going down the wire was, well, the Vikings reached out to Drew Brees. It's still believed mm-hmm. because he is the de facto mayor of New Orleans that he doesn't leave the Saints. And I mean, they're probably going to be statues of this guy all over town when you go stagger around Bourbon Street before long. But the reality is that he is technically a free agent, so why not throw up a flag and see if, if he sees which way the wind blows and, and wants to look perhaps for a, another opportunity. But you, you go between Drew Brees and also Kirk Cousins. We saw the post on his blog which curiously had a bunch of tags at the bottom, two of which were Vikings and Jets. Yep. Yes. <laughs> and and maybe Case Keenum knows something that we don't know with Kirk Cousins, right? Right. I mean, that's, so, like, the know. trickle-down effect of maybe that's already a done deal, so this this domino hits the wires first, but that the Kirk Cousins there, sig- signature is still drying on it on paper somewhere. And that's the conclusion that that I think you, you hit the nail on the head is there shouldn't Case Keenum shouldn't be the first domino. Right. The first domino had to be Kirk Cousins. Now, on Twitter and in the world of talking, Case Keenum is the first domino. But maybe Case Keenum is the second domino because of what Case Keenum knows. And if the Minnesota Vikings weren't going to get Kirk Cousins, what was their next best option? It wasn't drafting a quarterback. I know his offensive coordinator is now the head coach of the Giants, but 
by all accounts, Case Keenum was really liked in that Minnesota locker room. There are questions about Sam Bradford's health. There are questions about Teddy Bridgewater's health. So bringing back those two guys in free agency, still a question. It would seem to me, Mike, that if Minnesota struck out in Kirk, on Kirk Cousins, then maybe they would try to circle back to Case Keenum to check out his interest. Yeah, you'd seemingly, if you anything feathers ruffled by not making him priority, yeah, that you'd go out of your way to try to make sure that that olive branch could still be extended, or at least it would appear on paper. Because Sam Bradford, I think we all agree, we we love watching him when he's healthy for six games a year or eight games yeah. a year, right? Out of all the quarterbacks out there except for Cousins. I, th- I think from a pure talent and what you would expect when he's on in between the white lines, Bradford's actually perhaps the best of the options. Problem is he can't stay healthy, mm-hmm. and, and there's no changing that at this point. If you were going to have a bridge quarterback, not Bridgewater, but a bridge quarterback, it makes more sense to bring Case Keenum back than it would be to sign A.J. McCarron right. in free agency, right? And that could have been another option if, let's say, the Vikings ended up losing the Kirk Cousins sweepstakes. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the the, the Broncos are are gonna go with Case Keenum. I I don't think that the Broncos are a, a playoff team. I don't think that this puts them. It's nice to have Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas still there, but I think I I think the point is is that maybe the Kirk Cousins domino has fallen, and we just don't know it yet. Mike Kliss now confirming the Schefter report out of uh, Nine News in Denver and 104.3, the fan ready for their tweet. Hey, we have a QB. <laughs> and, and, and the fact is, is Denver was, and, and I put Denver as the fourth best option of the final four that we thought Kirk Cousins had. I like the Jets better. I like the Vikings better. I like the Cardinals better than Denver's situation. If you're Denver, it makes sense for you to go out and get your guy if it's not going to be Kirk Cousins. And well, it beating- goes back to the Bears situation a year ago, right, where they put that giant contract in front of Mike Glennon, which was really only a one-year deal, and then made the trade with San Francisco to say, okay, Mitch Trubisky's our dad. Mitchell, mm-hmm. sorry, I got to get it right. Otherwise, sorry. they get mad at me. <laughs> but same, same kind of deal. You got to go then identify if you're John Elway. Is, the, is your guy in this draft? It doesn't make sense if – I still think that Denver's got a guy in this draft that they are going to consider. I want them being... to draft Quentin Nelson and be done with it. That's your guy. I know you wanted him number two yeah. to the Giants, but I, I, think... I just want somebody mean on my offensive line. When Dave Gettleman said Hall of Fame player, and I know you're thinking, oh, gosh, Hall of Fame quarterback. He said Hall of Fame player, and I think that that could be Quentin Nelson. I just look – it doesn't make any sense, Mike, why Case Keenum would sign now. It yeah, just... the, it, well, I mean, that's the quote from from Schefter and a lot of people using the this is the first domino to fall. And, and I believe as we're we're talking through this, the other domino is out there. I think the other we just domino, don't, we haven't seen it. The other <laughs> domino has fallen and it's Case Keenum knows more than we do. And I all this this doesn't point to anything in my mind, but Kirk Cousins going to the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota Vikings, already strong. Adam Thielen draft stock rising by the moment in fantasy football, Dan. Listen, listen, Buffalo is a job that opened up. There was a point where you had so many quarterbacks that would be available in the first round and free agent quarterbacks. If you did the numbers a certain way, there may be 
there were more quarterbacks available than spots. That, it was that, like a dozen quarterbacks. I yeah, think like, by the time we listed them, and then at the bottom, you had a cutoff where there was McCown and Cutler sure. and a couple of guys that whether they want to play, whether you want them around. But Buffalo's of. trade of Tyrod Taylor to Cleveland didn't take Cleveland out of the drafting a quarterback market right. and threw Buffalo back into that, in my mind. Mm-hmm. Buffalo wasn't going to bring in A.J. McCarron when you had Tyrod Taylor there for another year. Were they going to draft a quarterback at 21? Maybe, but it, there may not have been a quarterback at that point, so they weren't in the conversation. Buffalo opened it up, and, and the reason that we're saying that this is important is because Case Keenum had now another option to go somewhere. Buffalo was another team that needed a quarterback, right. so there was another job that was open. Richard Sherman is getting destroyed by Joe Thomas and and uh, other people who read his contract negotiations because Richard Sherman didn't really go through and test the full waters. I think that Case Keenum kind of knows what may be out there, and that's why Case Keenum's maybe best bet was to return to Minnesota, and if he knows that that domino is always is already fallen and is not there, that, all right, well, I'll just take maybe the the next place that's going to end up working for me. I just don't – it doesn't make sense for Case Keenum and the Denver Broncos to reach an agreement without another domino, using the air quotes, falling. just seems that there's more perfect information than you and I have, and that's why we're here pontificating loudly across these – Fox Sports Radio Airwaves. We'll get into that Richard Sherman deal and and do a, a quick run back into the Tiger Woods phenomenon in just a minute. But first, we go out to the award-winning update anchor and legend among legends, our guy Tom Looney for the oh, latest. Thank you so much. You're a fine judge of talent, Mike. Oh, that's what I do. Okay. According to Adam Schefter and his blue check mark on Twitter. When NFL free agency opens Wednesday, former Vikings quarterback Case Keenum intends to sign with the Denver Broncos. It's on the internet. It must be true. Last NBA <laughs> game of the night just ended Blazers and right, shoot. Dameless at the clock. He takes the near side three. Yes, sir! Magruder gave him just enough space, and Leonard made him pay his seventh three-pointer. 30 points for the night. The great Brian Wheeler with a call on Rip City Radio. Blazers turned on the heat. 115-99. Damon Lillard. Oh, nothing. 32 points. Portland has won 10 in a row. Last NHL game of the night. La La Land with the Kings shut off the Canucks 3 to nothing. But what's interesting to note here, a quasi-famous celebrity from TV, movies, and radio, Son of an opera singer sang the national anthem quite well. Oh, the land of the free and the home of the brave. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Drew Pinsky. Not bad. Okay. We now forge forth into the night. Breaking hearts with breaking news. It's Dan Meyer. Dan Meyer. Dan it's Meyer. Chris Meyer. No, he's here as well. Yeah, Tom, he's going to be coming up in 10 minutes. Wow, okay. It's Mike Harmon and Dan Meyer on Fox Sports Radio. <laughs> Looney, hold, hold tight for a moment. We're okay. coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out easier. which way is easier. Yeah. Mike Harmon. Dan Byer with you, the Jason Smith <laughs> Show with Mike Carmen. Looney, we were talking about it a little bit earlier. 
the Tiger Woods phenomenon. Oh, and, yes. And, and the, that was fun. all those fun comparisons that we do. It was and, fun going back in the hot tub time machine. Well, well, Tiger. I yeah, it. I mean, it's a beautiful thing, right? Everything old is new again, and, I, you know, the mid-40s are, are the new mid-20s or something like that. But when we talk about comparing the individual sports to team sports and a, a person's interest and, and their, their influence, I should say, over the course of, of a sport and the fan bases you know you're a fan of the sweet science you're our resident expert yes. in the boxing world yes i would have to think if we're gonna do a comparison it's got to be the mike tyson effect well yeah when you take a look at what happened in golf and arnie and jack in the uh, late 70s early 80s were uh, taking their walk off into the sunset along with a couple others gary player and tom watson etc there was a lull in golf for quite a while and about the same time Muhammad ali retired and there was Larry Holmes who had no charisma whatsoever. He had as much charisma as Tony Dungy. So when you took it, was just that was just this lull that boxing was waiting for the next biggest star. Same thing in golf. And then Mike Tyson came along in the same way that Tiger Woods came along in golf. And anytime you have something like this where somebody of such a large stature comes along, then they go through a lull and you're waiting for another guy. But the same guy comes back. It's an amazing effect because when you think with the guys at the golf course who were going crazy for Tiger at the Valspar, which no one, none of us knew how to say before this. And <laughs> it's, it's a pain. Oh, it's a pain. Yeah. And so many guys who were there at the golf tournament really as a sport and as an individual fell in love with Tiger when they were 11. We're now 30. And Tiger Woods is coming down the fairway and tied for the lead or has a chance to get the lead in the 18th and has that birdie at 17. Of course, the crowd went nuts. I, I compared it when I was talking to Dan earlier when George Foreman won the heavyweight championship for the second time. So many people, when they were tiny boys falling in love with boxing, George Foreman was an enormous uh, figure in the boxing community and a heavyweight champion in the 70s. He comes back in the mid-90s and wins again. People were jumping and hitting the ceiling. Mm -hmm, Their sure. childhood had returned. Same thing on Sunday. A lot of guys' childhoods had returned, and that's a lot of fun. I and feel I, like a kid again, Dan. Well, I think that, and I think that there are there are only certain individuals that have the ability to to resonate or to break through. And I use tennis as an example. You know, Serena is so dominant, right? And like, like she talk about carrying a sport on your shoulders. She's done it for for women's tennis for. You know, however, uh, no see matter, the size of those shoulders. You know, I mean, when you even look at even look at the men's game, Federer is great, and Federer's got the greatness. Sure. But you also kind of the needed, ever. You also needed Rafael Nadal to challenge. Well, you need him. a villain. You need yeah. uh, someone to battle. Yeah, you sure. needed Novak Djokovic to end up playing well, and Andy Murray, and all of a sudden, you're like, wow, we've got all these great guys. But to do it single handedly, like a Mike Tyson did, or a Serena, or a or a Tiger Woods. It's just very, very difficult in those individual sports. It's not like a team brand can carry it. I mean, if the Lakers are winning championships after championship, the NBA is probably pretty healthy. But and it's so often, too, in sports, these these big big stars come and then they go. They don't come back. Yeah, they don't. They just don't. It's very only certain individuals have ever done that. And Muhammad Ali did it before our time, where he was uh, his heavyweight. He was stripped of his heavyweight title because of a political belief, and then came back ten years after he had first won it. And so it's very seldom that an athlete ha athlete has an ability to lose one's ability to play his sport, 
and lose his ability to walk around as Tiger Woods well, did, mm-hmm. and then come back and play it again. Even yep. one brief shining moment at the highest level, as we're talking about March Madness and shining moments. Maybe is that all we'll get? I don't think so, Dan. I'm no. sure you don't think so because you know how golf works and how it's played. Yeah, and I'll and I'll say this just. When you look at what Tiger did this past weekend, this is a course that he didn't know that he hadn't right. played. He, he played it 20-some and years ago. And the new Tigers didn't make the cut. Rory, Jordan Spieth, yeah. the people who were supposed to be the new Tigers, didn't even make the cut. They're nah, always looking for next. There, there will be a time where he maybe has to use the driver more, and he actually got criticized by some by not hitting a three-wheeler sure. or a driver on 18 because he hit it off an iron. Yes. But the fact what is. What a wuss move that yeah, was. Yeah, oh, gosh, unreal. But the guy had three birdie, or three bogeys over the last three days. That's pretty darn good. That yeah. is, a- and now he's going to a golf course where he's won almost fifty percent yeah. of their own. Right? Oh yeah. There you go. I Everybody think eight out of seventeen. Yep. Arnie's that he's he's has under his belt. So this should be fun too. And, and he always even after the big soap opera uh, with his wife and the second you know second phone and the golf bag and the crash uh, and laying in the middle of the street. He he, he several months later he went and played really well. At Augusta. So the next couple of courses where he plays are courses that he really loves. That's mm-hmm. it. He's yep. built, been rebuilt bigger, He's faster. He's back, baby, like my stronger. Lakers. They, sure. Uh, oh, by, by the way, the Valspar color I'm looking at right now is a dusted gray lilac. I'll make sure. Oh, that. Not, but lilac is my favorite it, flower. It, it, no, I'm telling you. I grew up with lots of lilacs. No, see, from Elmira, New York. Yes. Our man, Tom Looney. Looney, Looney, you should Big see this. It's a, it's a glorious uh, color. I'll have to make sure to send it to you. Uh, I'll take a on, look. On Twitter. I'll, I'll slide into your DMs and send you that. <laughs> hey, okay, the, the Valspar Trophy, by the way, one of the most clever that you've got. i showing Mike a picture right what here. Is it? I'll take a it's look. a paintbrush, but it's oh, got like a it. long brush Ooh. of paint on it, and uh, it's kind of a curve with a golf ball on it. It's very, very it, – it's, Oh, it is nice. Yeah, it's yes. very unique. I like the uniqueness. That of is it. a good-looking trophy. No question. Kind of a yin yang look to it as well. Yeah, a little bit. See, now we've got everybody thinking about trophies. Uh, and you get a trophy for participating in that segment, Looney. Okay. Congratulations. Good. See you guys. All right. So Richard Sherman signs his deal, and it comes out that, well, maybe he only got $3 million, uh, as a signing bonus, a $2 million for passing a physical the first day of training camp, $2 million base salary, $2 million in in game roster bonuses, $1 million incentive for playing 90% of snaps, Pro Bowl, and. All sorts of all pro, so million here, million there, to add up to the gaudy numbers that were originally put out. Uh, Joe Thomas, quote, you really, really feel bad for Richard Sherman, but this is clearly a case of ego getting in the way of his pocketbook. He got absolutely crushed on this contract while working as his own agent, unquote. Richard Sherman, it's actually a case of believing in who I am as a player while also coming off of a major injury, but I appreciate your input. So everybody had an opinion on the Richard Sherman deal of, why did he sign so quickly at, at, before the league year even comes out? And again, it's all about domino effects and what they may know, even if they don't have an agent, about the condition of the marketplace. Because I can't believe, even though it might have been the only visit, that the 49ers were the only conversation that Richard Sherman had in this process. And everybody's making it like he had a phone and it said, all right, you got four minutes. And in four minutes, this phone will self-destruct <laughs> if you don't take our offer. I li- listen, I, Ben Volan and Peter King, and they've all broken it down. The fact of the matter is they said that the 49ers knew that Sherman was going to sign a deal when he brought his fiance with him. 
that he they knew that he was not going to turn back, so they could have done whatever. And there was a point where Sherman asked in the negotiations, well, if I go look around, I'm, I, I guess some of these things could be walked back, or there's that possibility. And they said, yeah. Well, they already had known that Sherman was going to sign. I was a 1,000% wrong, by the way. I thought that Richard Sherman just wanted to go to a place where they were going to pay him, considering there was questions about his Achilles. No, there is a lot of vengeance. They said, ah, you know, the Seahawks 49ers thing, don't read too much into that. I'm an idiot. I was a million percent wrong. There's a lot into that, especially when fans were burning his jersey, which I don't understand since the Seahawks were the ones who cut him. But the fact of the matter is, yeah, he may have done a bad deal by not doing his homework and looking around. That's why I think that Case Keenum knows that Kirk Cousins (laughs) is going to Minnesota because guess what? That probably would have been his fallback option, but instead he'll end up taking a job with the Broncos. As I posted on Twitter, Dan has his Sherlock Holmes hat and pipe ready to go super sleuthing into the night to get you to all the truths in the National Football League. Sean Deasy tweets in, or Elway really believes in him. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, no, no, let's not look at anybody else. (laughs) Case Keenum's our guy. Case Keenum is our guy. Look, they're still going to take a quarterback at five. I don't care what you say. He evidently did well in the first shot at the Houston Rockets game tonight as once again the Rockets play as Jason and I raise our hand and wonder aloud, do they actually play every night or are we stuck in some kind of <laughs> crazy world where the Rockets seemingly are always on television? They won 54 games because they played 212. It seems like they're on all the time. Uh, and Venus Williams beat Serena uh, in a match a little that went final a little bit earlier. We'll throw that out. As we go forward, and uh, Tom Brady continues to win at life. We found out about the gash on his hand, but tonight he won another competition, this time on a TV set. Fox Sports Radio, the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon, brought to you by Match. You know, 69% of singles are looking for something serious. Are you dating and still looking for someone special? Then listen up. Go to Match.com and get started for free today. Search View photos and connect for free at match.com. That's match.com. Who's getting wild tonight? Thank you, Gronk, for your participation as always. Jason Smith show with Mike Harmon. Dan Byron for Jason Smith continues. Tom Brady's got a haircut, a big gash, and a new skill that we had never known about before. That's next. I have no knowledge of anything. There's a better way to buy home insurance with Progressive's new Home Quote Explorer tool. Get a custom quote and a great rate all online. See for yourself how much you could save at Progressive.com. Welcome back into the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Mike Harmon alongside Dan Byer. It's the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon here on Fox Sports Radio. Interesting last couple of minutes, the Schefter Report that Case Keenum will become a member of the Denver Broncos when free agency begins. Super sleuth Dan Byer saying, hold on, this doesn't pass the smell test. He's not Domino 1. If we were casting this movie of quarterbacks on the carousel, he doesn't get the first slot. He's not first chair. There is no way that Case Keenum, and you're going to see it everywhere, should be the first Domino in NFL quarterback free agency. That lends me to believe that he isn't the first domino, and the first domino has actually already fallen, and we just don't know it. And now you say, oh, Dan, what's, uh, you know, you're just trying to th- throw stuff against the wall to see if it sticks. Well, where would Case Keenum be the best fit in the National Football League if he was to go anywhere? It would be back to the team that he just played for. They didn't want to pay him a franchise tag sort of money. 
Sure. Let him go in free agency. Vikings say, you know what? We're going to take a swing at Kirk Cousins. If we don't land Cousins, guess what? We can always circle back to Case Keenum and bring him back in. Sure, Pat Shermer is gone, but the team is his teammates like him. He's good in the locker room. Case Keenum is a A plus great guy, by the way. Just just a very very good guy, loved by his teammates. It would seem natural, Mike, for him to go back to Minnesota if they weren't going to get Cousins. For Case Keenum to be the guy in Denver not only tells us that Denver wasn't going to get Cousins, but for Keenum to take himself out of the running to go back to Minnesota in a team that is more ready to win than Denver is makes me believe that Kirk Cousins has already made up his mind and he's going to be a Minnesota Viking. Now, it was a lot of fun in tracking this as the day went on. There was a report from Ian Rappaport earlier today that if the Broncos had swung and miss on Cousins, that A.J. McCarron would become the next domino to fall, as it were, and become that backup plan for John Elway and company. In researching all of this stuff and going through stories as we do, I ended up on the Kirk Cousins blog. Now, Mm. there was the letter posted saying goodbye to the Redskins, and there were a bunch of hashtags at the bottom. And this was glorious. And, you know, Redskins, thanks, Kirk Cousins, whatever. Included therein were Vikings and Jets as two of the tags, which was quite curious. Mm. Later iterations of that story online took those tags away. But the other thing was, if you left this page up long enough, Dan, there was a wheel of fun to spin for discounts on the Kirk Cousins store. Oh, really? So, look, Kirk Cousins special, secret bonus unlocked. You have a chance to win a cool discount. Are you ready? You can spin, so 50% off your order, 20 bucks off. Five you bucks you need off to type in your email and spin the wheel. I, right yeah, I don't, don't want to give them my personal. No, I don't like discounts is one you know, of the options. You know what you do? You know what you do? Just put in like a, just type in a bunch of letters, add it something.com. Dan Byer yeah. <laughs> on Fox. No. no, please don't do that. <laughs> you can find him on Twitter at Dan Byer on Fox. Find me over at Swollen Dome. One of the other fun things about quarterbacks over the next couple of days, well, Tom Brady doing the media circuit. Uh, he had his hair shorn for charity, up $6.5 million is what raised for that. So he's sporting a nice tight look. But he went on Stephen Colbert and brought back his old beer chugging ways, Dan. Mm. Told once upon a time by uh, Brian Hoyer and Julian Edelman used to recount tales of his glorious beer drinking uh, that he doesn't do that anymore because of the TV 12 diet. But Colbert challenged him and... Can or glass? Giant pint. Oh. It took him down. The other thing was the last of the Brady docuseries came out, showed that he had 12 stitches in acupuncture trying to heal that wound during the playoffs. That was quite a cut. It was it was a slice. It was a little bit Tiger more Tiger Woods thought. didn't slice at all this weekend. He's oh, back. very good. And big. Dan back in with me tomorrow. Jason off once again. We'll do more bracketology. But first, you'll spend the night with Ben Maller next. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.